Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 378. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, what's up? Also, we're back because we, we weren't here yeah. last week. That's, that's a, we're a bit, which honestly, like I felt bad that we missed the week last week, but it also occurred to me that that is the first time we've ever had to like just suddenly cancel an episode. Like, yeah, I took one week off last year, but we knew about that in advance. We, we warned people for months and it, there was like mm-hmm. a, a placeholder episode. That is the first time in 370 episodes we've ever just had to cancel one suddenly because of life getting in the way. So... Uh, yeah, it's a thing. life finds a way, and life finds a way to make it difficult. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yes, and we're actually recording this episode late this week as well. Uh, it's still a <laughs> knock-on effect of the same thing. So, uh... <laughs> I'm trying to give a thumbs up, but I hurt my thumb uh, playing football, so I can't. You know, I feel like Orange Cassidy here. <laughs> yes, Matt's having a very stressful time. I was hearing all about it before we started. Uh, yeah. Yep. But, uh, yeah, so we, we, we can, you know, we'll, we'll get into the books. It's a DC College podcast. We talk about uh, the books we read this week and, indeed, from last week. Uh, although I read them all today, for the record. I, I didn't read anything last week once I knew we weren't <laughs> recording. Uh, so, coming up on the, this week's show. Yep, yep. I was going to say, the worst part of last week was I didn't realize I wasn't going to be able to make the show until I'd already read Night Terror stuff. Um, <laughs> so, that was that was the real, the real kick in the pants. So I didn't make that mistake this week. I read all the stuff I wanted to first, uh, just in case. So, yes. Uh. Yeah. Uh, so coming up on this week's show, we have uh, Night Towers issue four. Um, we've got Night Towers Detective Comics issue two. And Matt read Night Towers Action Comics issue mm-hmm. two. And that was it, because when I was reading all these books, all those Night Towers tie-ins issue twos, all in Detective Comics, I said, mm-hmm. you know what? I don't think I will. Uh, so the, the one upside to the, the skip week happening now is that it happened during Night Terrors. <laughs> so I got to skip and, a few of those. <laughs> and I might have read uh, Superman Night Terrors, but I don't remember. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, after those Night Terrors books, we got Batman Superman World's Finest, issue 18. We have The Penguin, issue 1. We have Hot Girl, issue 2. We've got Unstoppable Doom Patrol, issue 5. we got The Vigil, issue 4. And we have Dark Knights of Steel, issue 12. And right before we started, Matt looked me in the eye and said, it's not like we've got solicits this week. And then I said, we do have solicits, Matt. And the soul left his body. Uh before my eyes so <laughs> we do have solicits uh as well to look at uh so we'll get into into all that so it's a nice meaty episode for everyone uh but yes i'm uh, so tired <laughs> <laughs> so yes uh, we, we started late today because matt was having to move a bunch of stuff out of an apartment uh not an apartment a four-bedroom house sorry a four-bedroom house so there was, there was a lot of stuff there going go by that all right <laughs> So, uh, we'll get to everything then. Uh, but, Matt, I've got something to cheer you up. It's okay. No, no, it's not okay. Because I know what you're going to say. And it's not cake. It's not pie. It's just the Comixology Top 10. The nurturing embrace of the Comixology Top 10 will guide you to comfort, Matt. That's what's about to happen. Ay, ay, ay. Don't worry. I'm not going to make you guess last week's as well. We're just going to look at this week's. So oh, it's okay. Oh, thank God. Right, just do the one that, week. That's the 
That's the only dodge, the bullet I dodged this week. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, we're looking at this week's books. Uh, honestly, the disadvantage you might have is you might have like because we we're doing a bunch of books from this week and last week. You might not realize yeah. what this week's books are <laughs> versus last yeah. week's. But uh, would you care to guess what the number one book right now on Comicsology is <sighs> from this week's Tuesday books? Um, I'm gonna guess because it's the event is Night Terrors. It is not. Wow. Is it Dark Knights of Steel? It is. Let's go, Tom Taylor. Tom Taylor sells. Even, and I would argue, even lesser Tom Taylor sells uh, versus some of the uh, the big stuff. Uh, Night Towers 4 is the second uh, book on the list. Uh, number three is Batman Brave and the Bold. Number four is uh, The Penguin, issue one. So Tom King's name getting that quite, you know, it's a penguin book. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's good for a penguin well, book. It's a penguin book. It's a pseudo sequel to Killing Time. Yeah, there's some connective tissue in mm-hmm. there, which is uh, interesting. Uh, there we go. Night Terror's Titans at number five. Number six is Night Terror's Action Comics. Number seven is Unstoppable Doom Patrol. Number eight is Night Terror's Detective Comics. Number nine is Batman Neo-Gothic. Or sorry, Batman Beyond Neo-Gothic, I should say. <sighs> and number 10 is Night Terror's Harley Quinn. So um, we're, we're almost done with Night Terror's. We got the uh, finale issue next week which i forgot about so when i got through issue four and there wasn't a definitive conclusion i got very upset (laughs) you thought that was was the ending (laughs) and then yeah and then i saw the to be i was like oh of course the the only reason why i knew is because a bunch Mm -hmm. of the the number twos of the tie-ins said to be concluded in uh night terror's night send or whatever it's called and Mm -hmm. i went ah okay so that that's coming after issue four i presume so yeah uh, so as the DC books, uh, nothing too surprising. Uh, Penguin did all right, and Tom Taylor sells. Uh, Wednesday's books, look at the uh, Marvel and the rest of the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, care to guess what number one is? Well, there's two new X books that are at number one that I can... But I'm going to go with the event and think it's Realm of X number one. That is incorrect. What? My cheat code didn't work. It did not work. You should have stuck to your gut because number one is Jean Grey issue one. Damn it. Comic nerds love the redheads, Matt. (laughs) I know this. I didn't even see this book in my shop this week, so I would have picked it up. As as you know, I love redheads. uh, Especially (laughs) Marvel fans. Between Jean Grey and uh, Mary Jane, uh, the, the, Mm -hmm. the, the Marvel fans love the redheads. Uh, Number two is Immortal Thor issue one, which is an Al Ewing Thor book. I didn't even know this was out either. Yeah. Uh, number three is Realm of X, issue one. Okay. Uh, number four is X-Force 43. Mm-hmm. Number five is Invincible Iron Man, issue nine. Uh, number six is Big Game, issue two. That's a Mark Miller book, uh, who sadly is one of the few indie people who seem to get onto the top ten on a regular still basis. still sells, yeah. Yeah. Uh, number seven is Amazing Spider-Man. Number eight is Captain America Finale. Interesting. Uh, number nine is Fantastic Four Annual, and then number ten is Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Uh, which uh, it's just a regular issue, but it says yeah. Darkest Star at the top, so they've got an event going on. They've got a big banner going across. So. Yeah, so that Captain America finale is the end of the Jackson Lansing Colin Kelly series. Okay. Um. So uh, that started in Sentinel of Liberty. So that's what that is. It just sounds weird that they just gave it. It's weird that they just essentially gave it like an annual size book to wrap everything up and called it finale. I mean, I think that's normal, except from the name, because finale yeah. just like I was like, wait, are they 
Are they finishing Captain America for good yeah. here? What's happening? Yeah, it sounds like a, a the end comic. It does, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Uh, Marvel had a lot of books out because even the next like mm-hmm. ten books are mostly Marvel. Aside Which from- is so weird because like I didn't see Jean Grey at my shop, and I got there at my normal time. I didn't see Immortal Thor, so maybe people just aren't buying those in physicals as much. And this is you know they're they're thriving in digital. I don't know. Um... But there you go. That's the uh, the top ten from Tuesday and Wednesday. See, the pen's over, Matt. It's all done. Like a band-aid. Just rip it off. It's all done. Uh, so what we do have, though, is we have the solicits to look at. And I had looked at these. Uh, so I did sort of skim a little bit, though, just in advance of recording. Um, and they're doing that thing that I think they did last year where these November solicits also include the first week of December, it seems. Um yeah. For whatever reason, I think it's because when they do the December solicits, they can include like the first two weeks of January, and then it starts to even back out again after that over time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to look like a couple of these are double shipping that they're not. Although there's definitely an extra Detective Comics in there overall, but we'll we'll talk about that as we get to it. So these are for November. Uh, so first up, I did not know this was a thing. This was a surprise when I opened the solicits up. Batman Offworld issue one, which is by Jason Aaron and Doug Mankey. Okay, this is the best news that I've gotten in, like, two weeks. <laughs> Look, we all know that how I feel about Batman. Uh-huh. However, my love of Jason Aaron is, you know, conversely related. And then you're going to give me Doug Mankey on art. Is, so, uh, is Jason Aaron done much DC work before? Um, Not too much DC itself, but he did a lot of Vertigo. So his, his first creator-owned book, Scalped. Let's do Vertigo. Okay, yeah, that sounds he, right, yeah. Yeah, he did uh he did some uh American he did you'll read one of his stories in the American Vampire um one shot thing that you'll get to, like the anthology. Um he did one of those. Um but as as far as superheroes, not too much. I think I have an issue of him that was like Arkham Asylum Penguin that he had done, like early in his career. So uh but yeah, let let's go. Yeah, very interesting to see if this is like the start of something. Like, if this is him mm-hmm. going to be dabbling in more DC work going forward or not. But, uh, yeah, so this is about go- uh, Batman going to space, basically. But obviously, that's what the title makes it sound like. But, yeah, uh, yeah he's going to the cosmos to fight a threat that he's never fought before. And that's uh, that's the idea. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, Jason Aaron's writing a Batman comic. That's kind of the big news here. Yep, let's go. Yeah, uh, so we've got Titans Beast World issue one. This is the... The event that uh, Tom Taylor's doing, um, mm-hmm. sort of tied into his Titan stuff. So, uh, yeah, Ivan Reese and Danny Mickey on the art. Uh, so, I mean, honestly, there's nothing to really be upset no. about here. You know, it's just, it's all the names you kind of want, and I'll take more Tom uh, Taylor books in my life. Yeah, yeah, I like that Beast Boy's taking center stage in it though, because it, it's it's really selling it as that it's it's Gar's story, sure, and yeah. that everyone else is supporting him, which is nice because. Um, uh, I feel like he's kind of not forgotten because he's been around, but he he needs some spotlight right now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I think I think if you just called it Beast Boy mm-hmm. World, it probably wouldn't do that well. I think right. tying it to Titans and making it clear that they're all there, but mm-hmm. as Beast Boy centric, is probably the way to go. Yeah. Uh, we have Outsiders issue one. Now we actually heard about the announcement of this a couple of weeks ago. Yep. This is the uh, the Jackson Lansing Colin Kelly book, art mm-hmm. by Robert Carey. Uh, this is the, the 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 new sort of just pair between Luke Fox and Batwoman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
we'll see how that goes. Obviously, we talked about it a bit when it was announced. Uh, here's something I didn't know was coming, is Speed Force issue 1, which mm-hmm. is Jarrett Williams writing with Danielle DiNicolo on... <laughs> I said that weird. <laughs> but anyway, uh, D... D... Nic- yeah. Nicol- he did about Nic- as good as Nic- I would have. Nicolo. D. Nicolo. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, uh, so this is a Wally West and Avery uh, comic. Yep. When so you thought this is another flashbook, that's kind of interesting. I, I, I'm okay with that, you know. Um, I don't know who this writer is, but I, I have seen... Um, we'll say Daniele uh, D. We'll, to, we'll just leave it there. Um, uh, that name sounds familiar. I feel like we've seen their art. Oh, somewhere. yeah. No, I definitely it says recognize. Nightwing, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers here at the bottom. So Yeah, I've definitely um, seen this artist's work before. Yeah. Uh, so I... I'm not on over on the social medias that much right now, but I did check something earlier this week and I saw there was someone complaining about flash people. They, out of anyone flash fans shouldn't be complaining about legacy characters, right? Cause it's kind of the flash. I'm wondering if this is what that was uh, about, or, you uh-huh. know, kind of, well, I, mean, I just kept scrolling. You know, uh, if you're so. a flash fan, you know, we've got the main flash book just starting mm-hmm. a new run. We've got that J book mm-hmm. coming up and we've got this now coming up so there is kind of a, a, a bouquet of flash books yeah uh, this this sort of autumn which is kind of cool so but yeah uh yeah so again yeah i have no expectations because i i really don't know this writer at all but yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see how it, how it ships obviously i hope it's good mm-hmm. um but yeah um we got batman santa claus silent night issue one and this is issue <laughs> one of four bizarrely i i, I assume this was a one shot until i looked down uh yeah. but this is jeff parker writing this with art by uh michelle bandini so uh jeff parker makes this an instant uh want for me because uh yeah. I, i've liked his work in the past as a four-part crossover event of a generation that begins when not so jolly saint nick hits gotham city to investigate a brutal crime in the days leading up to christmas what manner of man or beast could have committed such atrocities with the help of a former student batman santa will team up with the heroes of the dc universe to right this wrong or the world wakes up to coal in their stockings a brutal two-fisted holiday tale of hope wonder and monster hunting uh so this is out on the first week of december so i'm going to assume this is a weekly book yeah that will just play out during december but i'm not gonna lie i think this is a great idea for a, a little christmas miniseries just like they had me santa in the dc universe like but a former student of Batman, or Batman's his former student? Like, that is I, so funny. I feel like someone watched that David Harbour movie last year at DC yeah, and said, wait Batman, a minute, I, we can do this. We yeah. can have Santa teaming up with Batman. We can do this uh, shit. That's that what that so sounds funny. like to me. Uh, and then uh, we got some tie-ins for uh, the Titans Beast World event. We got Titans Beast World Tour Metropolis issue one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is a 48-page book with stories by Nicole Maines, Joshua Williamson, uh, Zippera Smith and Dan Jurgens, uh, and then we have Titans Beast World Waller Rising issue one, which is a forty-eight page one shot as well. Uh, and this is well, actually, to be fair, it doesn't actually say one shot. I'm assuming these are one shots. They could, they could very well be one of something. The, the, but... Yeah, the forty-eight page. Yeah, you know, that so yeah and this the wall of rising though doesn't have a team of writers it's only chuck brown so this doesn't seem chuck to be brown, a, yeah. an anthology like the other one is 
Um, and then, obviously, going along with that, you have Titans issue 5, which is a usual team of Tom Taylor and Nicholas Scott. Uh, mm-hmm. And then there's also Teen Titans Beast World Evolution issue 1, which is a 64-page, presumably one-shot, with stories by Marv Wolfman, Bob Haney, and Leah Williams. So they are putting some tie-ins out for this. Well, so that this event. is just a reprinting special. Oh, is it? Yeah, it, it collects... Um, Teen Titans 5, Tales of uh, the New Teen Titans 3, and that story from Leah Williams in Action Comics 1051. Um, each reveals a piece of Beast Wars past. So it's basically that, you know, um, they did this, I think, with Cyborg as well, where they gave us, a, you know, uh, before his series. So that's pretty cool, though. Um, it's got a great cover by Brad Walker. Only that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is interesting. They're actually treating this with some like tie-in sort of status. Mm-hmm. Um, now, how good will the tie-ins be? I don't know. It's notable that Taylor's name is nowhere near any no. of these, so the, the quality might vary wildly. But at the very least, it should be a bunch of characters that I'm excited to read more of. Yeah, the the first one that had all the different, no, the Metropolis one felt very Lazarus Planety. All those different mm. ones that came out. Um, the yeah. second one sounds like it has more of a point of view because it seems like Waller's going up. Or teaming up or taking on the, the different, um, like the red, the green, the rot, and yeah. that type of stuff. So that one seems more pointed um, than the other one that says just kind of seems like an excuse to put out a book. So uh, yeah. we'll see. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so we got Batman 89 Echoes Issue 1. This is written by Sam Hamm and art by <laughs> Joe Quinones. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. After uh, Harvey Dent's crusade against Gotham and Batman, the Cape Crusader has disappeared without a trace. In his place, ordinary citizens have taken to the streets to root out crime. As innocents get hurt, the question in everyone's mind is the same. Where is Batman? Sam Hamm, the screenwriter of the 1989 Batman movie, and Joe Quinones reunite for another tale in Gotham. So new miniseries, presumably. Again, I feel like they're I feel like they're getting really bad at labeling these if they're miniseries, if they're ongoings. Yeah. They're not really telling us anymore. But this I would assume this is a miniseries just based on what it is. I didn't realize Sam Ham was the screenwriter of Batman. And it just with, with Sam Ham, Batman, Gotham. It it seems like this was, you know, his job. It was meant to be. Yeah. Well, uh, if I remember correctly I don't know if Joe Quinones did the comic book adaptation of the movie, but I remember there being a, a comic book adaptation that came with yeah. one of the Blu-rays from back in the day. Uh, mm-hmm. Similar, we have Superman 78, The Metal Curtain Issue 1 by Robert Vendetti, with art by Gavin uh, Guidry. So, did Vendetti do the last Superman 78 book? I think he, yeah, I thought he, he did. did. I need to go and get that. I know it's out in trade now. I read the first issue and I really enjoyed it. Um... Uh, and this seems like it's Robert Venditti doing Superman 4 because uh, it involves the <laughs> Soviet Union. Uh, nothing oh about Nuclear Man, but, you know. Um, N- nuclear Man. Nu- yeah. Not, whatever, whatever you said. You, you don't say it like a... No, no, no. I mean, you said it right, but I, I'm saying oh, you can't say nuclear. it normal. You have to say it like Gene Hackman says. You have to say right. nuclear. nuclear. Nuclear Man. Yes. Some nuclear weapons. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then issue two is also solicited for that because uh, that's a, yeah. a week one book. So issue two is start of December, as you'd expect. Uh, we got Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong 2. 
I forget this exists and it makes me so happy. <laughs> the cover uh, of this of which is yes. Godzilla blasting his atomic breath and Superman is just sort of like hanging out in his mouth, like next to yep. the blast. Like like he's trying to dodge it, but also yeah. keep Godzilla's mouth open. It, well, it, um, yeah, if I was to read this image, I would say that Superman is trying to keep his mouth open and Superman mm-hmm. did not know that Godzilla was yes. then going to blast him with this yes. as a countermeasure. So uh, that's that's the what I think is going on. <laughs> uh, we got Detective Comics one thousand seventy six, and that's so. So this this is weird. So there's like three issues of Detective here. Um, <clears throat> this one's actually a late solicit for uh, October thirty first. So the so the week five in October, and then there's one thousand seventy seven, which is scheduled for the fourteenth of November. And then there's 1078, which is scheduled for the 28th of November. So it does seem like Detective Comics, at least for one month in December, is double shipping. And possibly two, because yeah. there, there might have it's, been one already in, the, uh, in October as well. Yeah, so it says Batman Outlaw, the five-part bi-weekly Detective Comics event ah, starts okay. here. And that's the one that comes out on Halloween. They probably told us that, uh, like, last solicit. Last time? Yep. Yeah. No, no, this is part three of five. We wouldn't have had part one yet. So no, this is, this is new. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because because this is literally parts one, two, and three. So yeah, we wouldn't have known yeah. this from last solicits. Uh okay. Well that's fun. Uh it's still around V rating, so there's no reason to uh yep. feel uh anything but just excitement. And the, the name of the artist Shishan Sean Alexander sounds very familiar, but I don't know why. Um so yeah. If the art matches the covers, seems like it's gonna have a nice vibe to it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, then we got Batman 139, uh, which mm-hmm. does have a really nice cover, actually, as well. Uh, you know, it's, it's got, like, a Batman using a, a torch to look at a wall, but the, the green and yellow kind of lighting of the color scheme is very Ooh. striking. Uh, so that's cool. Batman 140 solicited for the start of December. Uh, cool, I guess. Uh, Zarsky's doing a Joker story, so we'll see how he handles that. Obviously, we've been very mixed on his his run. Thus or far. we won't see it because we won't be reading it. I think we'll see what it's like. <sighs> I, I mean, maybe after the Catwoman crossover thing, we'll we'll dip back in and see how it's going. Uh, we got Nightwing one hundred and eight uh, solicited. Um, very good art by Stephen Byrne on this issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Redondo's got at least an issue off. A little break. Uh, Catwoman fifty nine is uh still a seed so yeah. still teeny howard still teeny it's part one of a new arc so she'll yeah. be there for at least another few issues yeah. uh we got poison ivy issue 16 uh along right. with 17 for the start of december so mm-hmm. i'm sure you're excited by that yep yep my takara back on art it looks like so yeah 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 uh, Birds of Prey issue 3 solicited uh, for November and then issue 4 solicited for December uh, excited to see that I am digging particularly issue 4 has a uh, Barda and what looks to be Wonder Woman fighting yeah. on the cover and uh, that, that seems like fun to me so very good uh, we got Harley Quinn issue 34 we have the Penguin issue 4 we got Batman and Robin issue 3 this is there's always this weird period of time when a book's been solicited and it's not started yet and we get to issue right. three in the solicits where I'm like, oh, that's a thing that exists, but I don't remember it yet because it's not actually started coming mm. out yet. Uh, that, that's where this book lies. Um, Batman Brave and the Bold issue seven uh, is here. 
Uh, we got Batman Superman World's Finest, issue 21, and it looks like we're getting some uh, Kingdom Come stuff on that cover. Yeah. If I was to make any guesses. Yep, yep. Uh, Batman Beyond Neo Gothic, issue 5, The Flash, issue 3. Yeah. Matt, did your wife just sneeze? She, she did. Gesundheit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think somebody was going to pick it up. So. Oh, oh, I heard it. Yeah. <laughs> it was very sudden, but I heard it. Uh, that's a cool cover of Flash, actually. Uh, yeah. That's cool. Um, and then we got Amazon's Attack, issue two. This is the Josie Campbell series that uh, I'm actually pretty pumped to, to check out when yep. it comes. Uh, with Mary Marvel as one of the main characters. Very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Wonder Woman, issue three. Um, I'll tell you this. All of the uh, comic creators on Twitter who... I've read it early. I've read the first two issues. They're yes. all praising it. They're all saying good things. Gil Simone was praising it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously we're excited to try the first issue next month. But yeah, yeah. So very cool. Um, also, that target behind her makes it look like there's a Captain America shield behind her, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It does on the cover. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Just Society of America issue nine. Um, very different cover style for this issue compared to what the books had. Because Mikel Yannin is still the interior yeah. artist, but the cover is yeah. different. You know what, though? It's got uh, Black Canary and Liberty Bell front and center. So, well, front, not center. Wonder Woman's in the center. But oh, you yeah. know what I meant. It seems like it's to your taste. I would, yeah. Yes. I, I think yes, that's yes. very safe. Uh, yeah. we got Jay Garrick, The Flash, issue two. Uh, so Listen, He's trying to Doomsday Bear. I don't like that. <laughs> Do you know what? I didn't really put any thought into it, but you're right. I would describe this creature as doomsday, but crossed over with a bear. Yeah, yeah. That is exactly what that is. <laughs> Don't like that. Uh, we have Alan Scott, Green Lantern, issue two. Uh, and he's in Arkham Asylum, apparently, gone by that cover. It's a very yeah. nice cover as well, actually. It's very moody, very, uh, very pretty. Uh, so that's cool and then we got Wesley Dodds The Sandman issue 2 by Robert Venditti and unfortunately mm-hmm. Riley Rosmo on our I keep forgetting this book's coming out and I get excited because it's Venditti doing pulpy and then I see the artist and I get sad but I'm still going to read it Nothing's yeah so, so am I I'm definitely going to try issue 1 because yeah, I'm interested I'm, in a Sandman because I keep reminding myself I really did like the Batman Shadow crossover that Rosmo did the art for <laughs> in 2017 so, yes but I hope Hopefully he can channel some of that, not some of the other stuff. Six years ago. Yes. He did one thing that Matt didn't hate six years ago, and he's clinging to hope. Because his art wasn't that egregious yet. You know, he didn't get the, <laughs> the super loopy style as of yet. So, yeah. I believe the kids call that copium, Matt. Oh, sure. Whatever. You got any more of it? Sure. Got all the co- yeah. I'll give you all the copium I can, you can handle. Uh, we got Superman issue eight. Uh... Cool. Uh, Glenn Melinkov's on the art of this one. So yeah. uh, jo- Jamal Campbell's still doing the, the cover, but I wonder if he's just on a break or if he's actually off doing regular art on the book. I don't know. But uh, worth pointing out. Uh, Superman Lost, issue eight. Oh, yeah, this is the book. Yep, eight of ten. Well, we've both dropped this now, so. Yeah. yeah there it is. Uh, Action Comics, 1059, with a really interesting cover. Uh, what looks like Steel is about to hit. Some Superman S dude in metal armor? Maybe, or they're no, they're he's swinging on the people in the front, look like ninjas or something. I don't know. It looks like he's about to pull a heel yeah, turn yeah, on. Yeah, but I definitely think they're on this. They're they're meant to be on the same side. 
They probably are, but it, it looks yeah. like he's about to side, you know, swipe this guy from behind. I mean, it's probably just Superman who's been given an armor yeah. suit for some reason, but... Um, uh, my first thought when I looked at it, though, was like, uh, oh, uh, like Cyborg Superman got an upgrade or something like that. Yeah. But I think, I, I think it is just Superman in a suit of armor for some reason. Yep. Um, Power Girl issue three. So that's coming uh, yep. as well. We got Green Lantern issue five. Um, with, oh, that's a very pretty cover on that, actually. Yes, it is. That's I, God, I can't wait to get back to this book. Yeah. I'm so glad that the Night Terrors tie-ins are done. Yeah, it's a uh, Hal looking up at uh, a villain, but there's like jets <laughs> flying overhead and like just fire behind them. Yeah, it looks real cool. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, Green Lantern War Journal issue three. This is the John Stewart uh, book written by Philip K. D. Johnson, which I'm pretty pumped for as well. Um, I didn't love the backup he was doing, but we all suspected that that was more to do with uh, it being a backup and yep. not having much page count and all that. Uh, Shazam issue five, uh, also with a very nice cover. So it's just a simple, you know, belly turning into Shazam cover, yep. but it's, it's nice. Uh, Dan Moore is still on art. Very excited for that. Shazam issue six, also solicited for the start of December. Um, by the way, what's the bet in that Nick solicits? I forget that we've already had the solicits for all the week one books, and I'm like, where's Shazam? Where's Batman? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll definitely take that bet that you forget. I probably will. Uh, Blue Beetle issue three is out. Um, when we got Blue Beetle issue four, solicited for December. We have Fire and Ice, Welcome to Smallville issue three, uh, as well as issue four, solicited for December. We have Hot Girl issue five, Steelworks issue six, Cyborg issue five, Green Arrow issue six. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. This is one of these ones that I kind of forgot about because Night Terrors uh, got in the way. Yep. And because the memories weren't that fond, my brain just yep. let it go. So there you go. Oh, we got our typical 80-page anthology yep. special for, uh, for Christmas. So this is out... Um, it's actually week two of December, but I guess they're soliciting this in advance so people can jump on it. Uh, so this is DC's Twas the Mate Before Christmas. As, as in Batmite. As in Batmite, yes. Uh, so it's an 80-page book. It's got stories by Natalie Abrams, Michael W. Conrad, Josh Trujillo, Ethan Sachs, uh, Zipporah Smith, Rob Levin, Sholly Fish. <laughs> that's like a made-up name. And Jillian yeah. Grant. So. Charlie Fish was one of Morrison's like up and coming writers. Ah, okay. okay. Um, they did a lot of the backups in Action Comics. Okay, uh, I think okay. there was a, a Jimmy story back in the New Fifty Two era. So uh, yeah, but I think primarily they've also been doing a lot of those young adult um, graphic novels that come out. So uh, kind of seems perfect for that. But but yeah, reading reading through this uh, seems like typical bat or typical bat. I was reading the word Batmite. Typical DC super, like, yeah. Christmassy stuff. Yeah, I mean, the chances of us reading this on a normal week yeah. are basically next to zero, so... Yeah, and it is interesting, too, that Michael Conrad's not listed with uh, his usual co-writer. Um, why am I drawing a blank on her name? Becky Clunan. Becky Clunan. So, uh, that's cool. Might, might be his chance to do, you know, show, show what he's fully capable of on his own. Uh, but yeah. uh, so then we got Harley Quinn, Black, White, and Red are issue five. We have Batman, Gargoyle of Gotham issue two. This is this is a curious one. This is the Raphael yeah. Grandpa uh, book that's coming in. Uh, uh -huh. It's the prestige size four issue book. 
Um, I'm curious to check that out when it lands because it seems like maybe kind of, you know, I, I don't know if it's officially Black Label, but it feels effectively yeah. like a Black Label book. Uh, we got Batman City of Madness issue two. This is the Christian Ward. Uh, yes, buddy. Book. Um, looking forward to that as well. Oh, oh, do you know what? There's so many good books or books that look good that you know what? Maybe we won't be reading Batman in December. It's possible. I, I like, mean, the, the main title Batman, but we'll still be finding oh, places be, to yeah. read Batman. I mean, a lot of yes. these minis are Batman. <laughs> like, yes. There's a lot of Batman here. We'll be yeah, fine. Uh, Adventure Comics 260 Facsimile Edition. Same with All-Star uh-huh. Comics 3. Same with Batman Issue 5. Uh, what's special about Batman Issue 5? Is that the first appearance um, of someone? I believe so. Uh, featuring the first appearance of the Batmobile packed with ah. thrills, chills, double crosses galore. This issue also contains... Um, uh, two more adventures of the dynamic duo the book of enchantment the case of the honest crook well it says so, the remolded golden age batmobile yeah, which implies remodeled, that it's just, yeah it's just a different uh yeah. batmobile so it's not necessarily the first batmobile it's just yeah oh they're stretching it there if they're looking for reasons to do issues uh yeah. doom patrol 99 facsimile wonder woman issue one from the 40s facsimile uh and then we got some of these young adult graphic novels we got batman asylum sorry 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 I just said that autopilot. It's Barkham Asylum, <laughs> and it's uh, dog versions of bat villains. So take that for me well. Uh, Danger Street issue eleven is all the way down here for some reason. Even though that will probably be the most important book of the month. That's a weird spot for it, right? It is weird, uh, but that's out mid-November, regardless. Yeah. The penultimate issue, meaning that the final issue will be a Christmas treat in December. Ugh. So that's fun. Uh, Fables 162, The Joker of the Man Who Stopped Laughing 12, Wildcats issue 12, mm-hmm. uh, there we got Looney Tunes 275, Scooby-Doo Where Are You 125, World's Finest Teen Titans 5, I, I get that they're in alphabetical order, although Danger Street wasn't for some reason. No. Uh, but yeah, this feels like we're really far down the list now for some of these, but yeah. This Doc uh, Shaner cover. It's good. It's, it's good, yeah. It's, it's, it's very yeah. good cover. No, that's a Somni cover. I'm sorry. Somni. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, this is... It's, it's Batman and Robin. I mean, the Titans are in the background, but it's a Batman yeah. and Robin cover effect. It's very moody. Uh, yeah. I like it. Yeah. So, and then we go down to the trades and collections. I think we got Tales of the Amazons. We got Absolute Justice League, The World's Greatest Superheroes by Alex Ross and Paul Denny. Uh, I so, feel like this is a book that will never be out of print. Because <laughs> they just keep doing new versions of it. Yeah. Um, I've not read it, funnily enough. Yeah, no, it's more of, I think, an art showcase than anything. And Steeny kind of doing his, you know, uh, basic storytelling of their... Of, of not their origins, what, what makes them pop as characters. So. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I've read any of these. Uh... Yep. Well, it's Batman War on Crime, well, I've read... Shazam Power of Hope. I've read Justice, but I didn't think that yeah. counted as one mm-hmm. of these. Because that's a full 12-issue series, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, we got Batman Volume 6 Abyss, uh, which was Williamson's last arc, I think. Uh, Batman Shadow of the Bat, House of Gotham, uh, which is a story from Detective Comics 1047 mm-hmm. to 1058. Oh, yeah. That's... Oh, that's the one that we really liked, right? That follows the kid. Oh, yeah, that's Rosenberg's backups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. With Fernando Blanco on the art. Oh, I'm going to buy this for sure. Yeah, I was confused. I, I thought this was like an old collection of some old material. Oh, but... yeah. yeah this is this might be my favorite thing that uh, Rosenberg's written for DC. 
as a story. It's yeah, it's up there. It's absolutely up there. Uh, you got Batman Shadows of the Bat, the Tower, uh, which is obviously just the Tower storyline. Um, we got Black Adam Volume Two, East of Egypt. We got DC Power, a celebration hardcover. Uh, DC vs. Vampires Volume 1 softcover, Nightwing Volume just, 2. Oh. I'd say just buy the DC vs. Vampires Volume 1. Don't even worry about Volume 2. <laughs> uh, Nightwing Volume 2 softcover, and that's it. That's it. So yeah, short, Go, short collection section this month, but hey, we ain't complaining. Nope. All right, there you go. Very good. Yeah, all right. Well, with that said, we can get ourselves into the uh, into the books. So, we'll start off with Night Terrors, issue 4. Joshua Williamson writing with uh, Stefano Nisi, Casper Wingard, and Giuseppe Camanculli on the art. So, um, not the conclusion, uh, as uh, Matt found out yep. <laughs> when he read it. Um, but, uh, yeah, where does this lie? I think the basic structure of this issue is perfectly fine. I think it's better mm-hmm. than last issue. But I wouldn't say that it turns my mind on it, you know, by the end. No, you know, I, I still feel kind of lukewarm in the whole thing. Yeah, it still does that fun thing with a different introduction by Dead Man. So mm-hmm. that that's a benefit um, or a bonus. Um, I mean, I'm I just can't... I, I think I liked, early on, I liked that it was a simple goal. It was, you know, yeah. Robin, Sandman, and Deadman and Batman yeah. going into Arkham Tower and be like, we have to find his, his body. Because that's yeah. a very... You know, it's a very Freddy Krueger thing. So we have I to find his. Say. Yeah, we have to find his body to stop all this from happening. Like that, 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 that setup was fine. Them walking about the creepy like halls that aren't like all nightmare. They're all perfectly clean. Yeah. Uh, Damien like even falling asleep for a moment because he, obviously he's like manually just keeping himself awake. Yeah. All those beats I think were fine. I think where it falls down is when they actually get to him and then like so. Obviously, I we, would have literally wanted anything else to be his origin than the origin that we got. Well, we knew, because he said before, there was a tease yeah. before that he hated the Justice League, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, okay, so something happened to him that was Justice League's inadvertent mm-hmm. fault, right? And he comes home in this flashback, right? Dead man goes into his brain, sees this flashback, and this guy comes home, he's wearing a Justice League t-shirt, and he says to, his, he says to his family... <laughs> Oh, uh, the Justice League's fighting some bad guy or some evil Batman down the streets, which I guess means we're doing metal or one of the metals. Uh, and he's like, hey, um, they told us we should evacuate, but I think we'll be fine. And then literally seconds later, the building is like, you know, reduced to ash because something hits into it. And yeah. then he's like upset because his family's all dead. And all I could think was, like, I realize you probably wouldn't have had time to do anything, but the way you came home is if it was a casual day of coming home from the office and said, ah, the Justice League are fighting some bad guys down the street. Uh-huh. I'm sure we'll be fine. I feel like he was kind of asking for this tragedy. Well, it's that. That's like not leaving during a hurricane and then being like, oh, the hurricane destroyed my house with my family in it. You know? Like, yeah. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like in the DC universe, when a crisis level event is happening they're pretty good at evacuating the cities at a certain point you know i mean i i don't even i'm not even thinking about it in like a like a big picture level i'm mm-hmm. just going by what's in the panels in this comic yeah. he comes in and says the justice league are fighting super yeah. villains down the street and shrugs it off and just says what's for dinner and yeah. then is surprised Whoa. when his building is demolished 
Do you, do you think that's Williamson though trying to get on the not the mediocrity but just how everything in in the DC universe is just you know oh it's the Justice League up to some world saving shenanigans, it's you know oh what's what's for dinner you know what I mean like you think that he's trying to make a commentary on that and just not and being clumsy or do you just think it's very clumsy writing to get to the point that his family's gone? I mean, I wouldn't rule out that he's trying to make a statement with it. I, I think for yeah. me, the problem is that it, made, it immediately made me think this guy, even before he became insomnia, was just an idiot. <laughs> like, yeah, true. Could be. So, so I just have no respect for him as a villain now, because I think yeah. he's you think he's lame. I just, like, I know that he held the Justice League responsible for the death of his family, but I would have liked to be a little bit more, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, open to interpretation. Like, was it really the Justice League responsible? Or, you know, were you not responsible in taking care? Something along those lines that kind of, you know, it's not just like, oh, they're responsible for the death of my family. I'm angry. I want the Nightmare Stone. Like, I don't know. It's just all, it's a bit too simple. Well, I mean, the Nightmare Stone came a bit later because that was after the Lazarus reign. Uh... Yeah stuff but because because he was already in a coma right that's the thing yeah. is he ended up g- g- going in a coma um and basically insomnia kills himself because if you die in the dream you die in the real world so mm-hmm. he does that so that he's not tethered to his body anymore yeah, he's and out. the nightmares bleed out into reality and this all builds up to what batman woke up and saw it's just very convenient that batman because we were really confused why batman was waking up in the place that he started and, and i guess he's yeah. technically not but they were in arkham tower i think at the start of the story so i yeah i don't remember um but yeah but but you know we we kind of figured that out because williamson did write the batman one um so for him to end up there and we get to see that from batman's perspective again you know well not from batman's perspective but from a different perspective of, of damien telling him that they lost yeah or whatever well because yeah everyone's woken up like everyone wakes yep. up at the same time at least all the heroes do anyway yeah and uh yeah the world's in, in the shitter and it seems like along with like the nightmares becoming real a lot of the bad things from the nightmares come real so the final page is gun bat <laughs> Yep. And uh the, the the Super Reaper from Superman. Yeah. And then whatever whatever Diana snake <laughs> creature from Wonder Woman yeah. Night Terrors. So you know. I guess yeah. some of those tie ins ended up being mildly relevant because yeah. the, 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 the he- villain henchmen that were created in them are, are now in the main yep. story for one issue. Yep. Uh so yeah, Night's End is the final issue of this thing. Um like we still have all the artists, I, you know, the, I don't think it's as jarring as previous issues, and I think part of that is because the flashback takes up a lot uh-huh. more time this issue, so it kind of feels more natural to shift to the different mm-hmm. art for that. Um, so I guess that's a slight improvement, but I mean, at this point, we're kind of just like, oh, it's you know, it's not, it's not, it's it's not complete shit. It's a little bit better. Like that's kind of the tone of which we're speaking yeah. here. I mean, I still didn't like this issue that much. Like, I thought it was fine. I'm just, I'm kind of, I feel like it's run its course. But I, I did enjoy the early stuff that did feel like a nightmare movie, a nightmare on Elm Street. You know, like, the Damien falling asleep while going up the stairs because he's so, like, spent, right? And he doesn't even realize he's falling asleep because he's just going through the motions. Um, I, I like that part a bit because that did remind me of one of the, the Freddy Krueger movies. Um, so it, it hit that vibe. I guess wish it was kind of as fun as some of those movies. 
Yeah, I think it also feels a bit weird that they've all woke up into this nightmare version of the world because Insomnia has mm-hmm. done this. Mm-hmm. It feels weird to me that we're doing this cliffhanger right before there's only one issue left because it it feels like no matter what, we're, we're going mm-hmm. to rush the conclusion to this mm-hmm. now. Right. Like, I'm not going to be surprised if Dream from the Endless comes down and be like, yo, Deus Ex Machina this, you know? Like, what, if, are, you, if what anything, are you doing? This reveal, this sort of status quo that's established at the end of this issue, it yeah. feels like that should be the end of, like, Act 1. So mm-hmm. if it's a six-issue book, that should be at the end of Issue 2. Yeah. And then a lot of the story should be in this nightmare world trying to, like, mm-hmm. solve the problem and figure out what this has done yeah. to the world and so on. Um... But instead, we're you know, we're going to be wrapping up in one. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's an yeah. oversized issue, but it's not going to yeah. be that long. Let's see, I have it open right now for next week's books, so uh, it'll be a 48 page book or something like that. Sure, I'm sure. Yeah. And that is a bingo. Well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much I've got left to say about Night Terrors at this point. I feel like it's a lot I, of the I same complaints. Else. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Insomnia has been a bit of a whiff of the villain. The, the, the general concept when it started was pretty solid, but I've just not really liked anything that they've done I, with it. I really hate the concept of the Nightmare Stone. I just kind of wish he had the Lazarus powers of, you know, he got amped up in this dream. You know, he's able to cause, you know, the nightmares or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's just the whole concept of the Nightmare Stone and then it being a dead man and all this other stuff kind of takes just... a lot of the fun out for me. I just, you set up this status quo early on where the mm-hmm. entire world's asleep except a few key people and they're yeah. going to have to try and stop the bad guy. And you did nothing with that status quo. Yeah. You did nothing with this idea of mm-hmm. like going through the world and like everyone's asleep so you can get away with certain things that you wouldn't be able to get right. away with. You can, right. or you have to think about the safety of people who are just lying around because they can't run out of the way. Like, right. They didn't do anything with that world they created in the, by the end of the first issue, or by the end of the, the prelude issue even, because it was right. before issue one. Yeah, the whole thing well, just feels like a bit of a whiff as far as, like, well, actually... Well, and even, even, even stuff in, in, like, Superman, where he falls into the ocean, it's like, well, what happened to everybody else that was, like, the pilots that had fallen asleep, mm-hmm. right? In the planes. Like, all this other more interesting stuff about the superheroes, you know, in a world, in a world of superheroes, you would think like, Oh, they'll, they'll be fine. And there was a way to tie that into his origin. Right. Like you would think that insomnia wouldn't, you know, or maybe that was his plan. Maybe he wanted to make everyone else have the same nightmares. He had, well, no, you know, no, no, lose his family. There's, no, there's layers there that could have been played with that just aren't. Yeah. I mean, no, that's a good point. There should be thousands of people who have died in plane crashes mm-hmm. because all these people fell asleep. But right. it feels like the book's just never going to mention that as if it's It'll, never happened. Yeah, it almost feels like they only took a 20-minute nightmare nap. You know? And everything's going to be fine. So, that would be enough to crash some planes, though. Surely. Oh, yeah, yeah, Some, Some that are, like, on landing and whatever. But, like, you know. But, yeah, just there's there's more, like, interesting concepts that, in here. That, that I mean, that, that said, though, get to. that said, though, regardless of what it feels like, Matt, it says in this comic it's hour seven of the nightmare. Yeah. No, I know. But I'm just saying, <laughs> like, you know, I don't know. Like, the Zantana book was pretty pretty okay because she wasn't asleep, and we got a little bit of that. No, issue two of the Zantana book sucked. Issue two might as well have been a nightmare, but because she, she was just running That's around true. a maze being chased by a monster. It might as well That's have been true. asleep. I should, I should, that's right. The first issue of that was yeah. kind of, it, it kind of did that stuff. And then, you know, in, in the Superman book, the, you know, um, Aquaman, you find out that they're, they didn't, uh, was that in the first issue or was that the second? I can't remember at this point. 
Um, that they they didn't get affected because of their their pressure systems and their ears. Whatever caused the sleep wave didn't affect them because of their Atlantean physiology. Um, so there's there's all these little things in there that they put into these tie-ins that you know overall I guess don't matter, but they're definitely more interesting than than this insomnia stuff. So, but yeah, it's it's a shame. It's just it's just not using like mm-hmm. like I, and I feel this is something Williamson did a lot in his flash run, and it's something mm-hmm. he's just really guilty of is that he'll set up an interesting idea and he won't actually use it to yeah to to act like. To, like the, the the comparison I can give is that when you're making like a B movie, right? Mm-hmm. Is you you set up what the interesting status quo is for the characters to have to like deal with, and mm-hmm. then the movie, the fun of the movie usually is seeing how they get around and say, I don't know, they're mm-hmm. trapped in a mall and the robot security guards start killing everyone, right? So the movie's about trying to get out of the mall and right. it's like try to like figure out and plot against them and figure out their weaknesses and right. all that. I feel like. Joshua Williamson will set up something interesting, i.e. in this case, he set up, sets up this world where everyone but a few people mm-hmm. are asleep and they have to try and save the world when there's no one around to help them. Yeah. And then, it, it, I mean, effectively, in the very next issue after they set that up, okay, wake up Wesley Dodds, right? Resurrect him to help. That's a really cool, interesting thing. But mm-hmm. right after that, it was like, oh, we're just going to go to a lab. He's going to like mix a concoction and then we're going to go straight to using it and right. we're going to spend most of the issue in a flashback and uh, like I, I just I feel like he just whiffs like he sets up a cool he's, idea and then doesn't know what to do with it yeah he's I, I, I class him with like George Lucas who's a great idea guy not an excellent execution guy you know yeah yeah um, Some, sometimes you need that person to, to help bring it out and you know um, but yeah alright what are you giving Night Terrors <sighs> for this is 6.0 Mm. I'll go five. There you go. I almost said six point five, but then I dropped it a half because I remember how annoyed I got. I, I read this on my one break I got on Tuesday, and I got very annoyed. That's how I spent it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Night Terrors Detective Comics issue two. Dan Waters uh, with Ricardo Federici. Uh, this was the one tie-in I actually made a point of reading this week because the nice. first half was quite good and felt like it worked on its own regardless of its mm-hmm. connection to everything else. Whereas even the other ones that were okay, it, the more connected they had to be, the, the worse they felt. Whereas this mm-hmm. one never... And just to, you know, to get into the second issue of it, mm-hmm. this this second issue still worked. Like, it still told this interesting story and- of, of Gordon fighting these Cenobite-like mm-hmm. things and looking mm-hmm. for the people who conjured them up in the first place mm-hmm. and and i feel like this plays into the dan waters idea of gotham that we got in his arkham asylum book right mm. with with the ten-eyed man and just like there's these horrors just underneath the surface waiting to pop up at any given moment and here he chose to focus that on almost gotham itself and that this nightmare these nightmares that came out from what are they called the pentapriests the pentapriests uh, yeah. yeah from the fifth dimension is um that they're almost things that are supposed to help Gotham, but in turn only make it worse, right? It's the money, it's the knowledge, it's the the force and the strength and whatever. So there is at least a through line through the book in the grand scheme of, of Detective Comics and Batman that, you know, I give him credit for. Like, there's a, a continuity of ideas that we've seen from Waters. 
Yeah, and the art's obviously gorgeous uh, mm-hmm. from from Federici. But yeah, so this book is Garden. The, the, so the woman who was like coughing up the diamonds and has mm-hmm. died from said diamond related injuries yeah. uh, left a note that you know saying like her and this other rich guy were brought in by this lead, this ringleader to yeah. use the device to conjure the the penta priests. And mm. it kind of it was, it was kind of this monkey's paw thing where she asked for the wealth to fight all the mm-hmm. crime and she started coughing up diamonds. Uh, yep. whereas the the guy turned in, you know, he wanted the strength to fight the crime, so he became this weird demonic version of the, the bat robot. <laughs> so mm-hmm. he's going around in that with the big exposed teeth, and Gordon goes to track him down. And Gordon, obviously, like, he's starting to shatter. He's starting to crack like he's made of glass. And that leads yep. to some fun moments here. The art here is gorgeous. There's a, there's a moment where uh, the bat monster, like, fires, like, laser beams at the, the car, mm-hmm that Gordon's in and this page is just stunning like the, the yeah. way it feels like it feels like Gordon's getting into like the apocalypse the way that the, yeah. the, the, the glow of the orange and all that is going on mm-hmm. um, it's judgment day Gotham absolutely uh, yeah. and Gordon tricks him into thinking that he's, this guy's family was in the car uh, he, he goes over dirty trick but dirty trick my good old Jim but uh, <laughs> I appreciate it but he's planted uh, a bomb so the bat monster yeah. gets uh, but he ends up taking off his own arm and like part of yeah. his face so Gordon's like walking yeah. around with like you know so it's, it's really proper like horror movie imagery with mm-hmm. like part of his face missing well, and, and not not to compare you know the, the Williamson horror stuff because I feel like sometimes Williamson does do the fun horror um, Waters just he hits these, this, the, the little things like you're talking about, like the piece of his face missing, right? And the, you know, it's like the subtle kind of horror that I think translates to nightmare stuff a little bit more than than the main book. Hmm. Yeah. Uh. So this thing dies, and Garden like needs to know who the who the the, the first person was, who the ringleader mm-hmm. was. Um. And it's kind of clear at a certain point that it's pointing towards Babs, and he runs yeah. to the clock tower. He goes in and she's like shattering like he is. She's like on the floor, uh, her legs separated from her, you know, her torso, which obviously is symbolic of her real injury. Yep. Um, I, I, obviously, all of this makes sense. It's this idea that he thinks he's failed so much in protecting the city mm-hmm. that it forced his daughter to like do something extreme, which in the real world was like become Batgirl and be a vigilante right. and do all that stuff. But he like holds himself responsible for that and that he's going to get her killed because she feels she needs to do this because he's failed. So all mm-hmm. of these things, you know, come into it. And uh mm-hmm. you know, literally they talk about in the dialogue how, you know, life is so fragile and they're literally fla- fragile right now. Because yeah. <laughs> they're 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 cracking and falling apart. Mm-hmm. Oh dear. Uh but of course, um you know, uh it, it all comes to a head. Um and uh, Barbara s- destroys the the sort of watch thing that conjured them. The you know, the the lament configuration of this story, <laughs> if you will. Yep. Um, and you know, basically, we see those giant eyes in the sky. I'd forgotten about this until they popped back up again because this was this yeah. was in one panel on issue one as well. Was like this uh, set of eyes prying, and I did appreciate as well that this could be set up for a future story because these fifth yeah. dimensional penter priests. It kind of sounds like they're not just from the dream like it sounds like they've invaded because this dream thing's going on but they're actually a real thing from a fifth dimension yeah, yeah. which which fits in with the whole you know mix of and batmite and that like what what are truly evil creatures from that realm like right oh yeah they're and definitely might... they're definitely different from those <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah but they are from the fifth dimension nonetheless right so but yeah just that whole eerie part of the ending 
of like, you know, they've been not that they've been there the whole time, but you know, they could be conjured at any time. Right now they have eyes on Gotham. Yeah. Actually, now that I'm looking at it, I think the eyes that's looking down from the sky is just uh, insomnia. I think that's the one way that they've tied an insomnia into this. Oh, is that they say that too. he's he's the architect of the of the dream. Mm-hmm. But these uh, pendant priests, they say that oh, it's time for him to wake up. We're we're tired of these eyes of the architect yep. watching us. So yeah. it definitely implies that they are a real entity from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I'd be very curious if Dan Waters gets to like tell a story with about these guys yeah. at some point. And and I will read that story because I you know it's uh, it has that whole vibe again of the of the ten eyed man right like there's just this creepiness to them an un- un- unsettlingness that just fits into his version of Gotham. Honestly, I would recommend this two issue thing over the main book. I would say you could mm-hmm. read this on its own and it'll be a satisfying, creepy little horror nightmare mm-hmm. story. And Gordon does wake up at the end just to confirm no, this was a dream. His mm-hmm. hand's okay. Um, and uh, yeah. what's his name? Sorrow? Sorrow's still alive. You know, he didn't get uh, the, killed. The kid, yeah. Um, uh, but at the end of the book, there again, there's a little tease that there's maybe going to be something to come from this. Because mm-hmm. uh, someone's buying this this clock, this watch device from, mm-hmm. a, from a store. Um, uh, you know, this guy's asking for it. And uh, the, yeah. the, the, the clockmaker's like, no, I don't have anything like that. But it's there anyway, kind of mysteriously. Uh-huh. Uh, and he's like, name your price, and it glows, and that's the end. Yeah. So yeah, that could just be like a creepy, hey, it's still out there ending, but mm-hmm. this could also totally lead into a miniseries or something like something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, every, at every chance, Dan Waters, just him him with these, like, smaller stories. You know, and now I want to go back and read his Asriel stuff, mm. you know, because if it's, if it's even half as good as what this is, it's worth a read. Yeah, this is, so. this is legitimately really good. Like, it, it's mm-hmm. creepy. You get the metaphor for what it's talking about, Jim and Barbara. Um, and because it isn't the real world, it's okay that mm-hmm. Barbara turned out to be this cult leader because it's not real. It's, it represents, yeah, you well, know, it represents Jim's fears of her doing extreme things to try right. and protect the city. She, she wanted the knowledge, right, uh, of how to... Yes. Right? And that's why it also affected him. Right, because you know they're they're both fragile because of their knowledge of Gotham. Right, that's how I read it. Um, um, yeah, and obviously they are. We've brought up a couple times, but it is just stunning. These penta priests, every page they're on, mm-hmm. look fantastic. Uh, yep. The fiery stuff with the car looks great. Every time Gordon's like missing a part of his face because yep. of the cracked sort of like sort of glass mm-hmm. effect. All of it looks phenomenal. Um, it is worth mentioning that final little page, that little epilogue with the guy getting the watch, uh, yeah. is a completely different artist. Uh, right. It's unavoidable to notice because he's not Federici, and it's very right. clear. Um, right. But it is just the last page, and it's meant to be like this epilogue thing, so it it, it works, I guess. Yeah. Like it's, it's not that intrusive because it is just a separate thing. Because it, it's away from God, and it's away from what the main story yeah. has been. It's almost like a, a bookend. You know, so I, I would wonder if uh, if there is plans to do something. If maybe this artist mm-hmm. at the end is the artist that will be doing it, and that's why mm-hmm. they've done this little den, or maybe that's just like wishful thinking that there's more there's there's, there's thought put into it as opposed to mm-hmm. just oh shit, there's not time to do that last page. Give it to give it to Joe. <laughs> <laughs> <'Cause> yeah. <laughs> we, we need to read the page done so the book's out in time, which it could be as well. I, I well, really don't that know. That was Mike Perkins. 
Do you know it looks? Like, yeah, I never said it looked bad. I want to make that clear. No, 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 no. It, no. it just doesn't but look. I remember Ricci. seeing Perkins's name on on the credits page, and I'm wondering if that's his his page right there. Yeah, it must be. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, every other page is definitely Federici. Yep. Yeah. So you also have Stefano Raffaelli, but that could just be an, an inker as well. So, um, yeah, you, you tell me Dan Waters and Mike Perkins doing a dark Gotham book. I'm there. You know, if that's what spins out of this, I mean, please, it, it would be Hellraiser and Gotham. That, that that's yeah. that's the pitch. Um, oh god, that page of the explosion with the bat monster flying back <laughs> is just stunning. Uh, so yeah, if like I'm not saying it was worth the two months of like all the books being paused, but the one good thing that came out of this whole Night Terrors debacle is this two part mm-hmm. miniseries. Yeah, it's by far the best thing that's happened <laughs> across both months. So I recommend this on its own and just this and nothing else. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, what were you rating Night Terrors Detective Comics? I'm, I'm rating this a solid eight. Yeah, I, you know, I'll even go 8.5. I think the yeah. overall craftsmanship, the art, all of it's very good. Uh, recommend it. Uh, Alright, uh, Night Terrors, Action Comics, Issue 2, Leo Williams, mm. Philip K. Johnson, and Vasco uh, Georgiev. Um, you read this. I did not. I, I just I drew yeah. that line and said, no, I've got enough to read. I don't need all these Night Terrors tie-ins. Yeah, um, so this is Leah Williams, and you can tell she has an affinity for Power Girl, because she revealed something that I didn't even know, and I, I run pretty deep when it comes to, you know, all the, the super characters and their origins. And so uh, this picks up where where it left off, where um, Paige keeps going through, like, this endless cycle. It's almost like the Matrix, right, where she, she you know, breaks out of the nightmares and then ends up back in this pod. And she breaks out, and she says that, you know, at a certain point, not that she's counting, but she's done it, like, 453 times. Right. And each time Omen is there to stop her. And then she she, you know, comes to realize that, you know, that's not Omen. This is something else completely. Um, And she she gets past Omen and it takes on this like weird, almost brainiac kind of vibe. Like it's like almost like this talking computer. And it says, you know, you know, Kara Zor-El, we're we're only trying to do what's best for you. We're trying to make you the best that we can. And she starts to talk about something called the the symbio ship, right? And so I go, and of course I have to know if the symbio ship's been in anything, right? Because it seems like, I don't know, Golden Age, Silver Age enough. And sure enough, in the original Power Girl origin, um, much like uh, Kara showing up later, right? Uh, after Clark, um, Kara Zor-El on Earth 2 ended up later, but... Her ship ended up uh, having, like, the symbiotic relationship with her, and it, you know, it helped her age at a normal rate. So by the time she got to Earth, she still wasn't, you know, she wasn't younger than Clark, but she was a fully grown human, like, human, a fully grown adult uh, by that point, right? So uh, through this, you know, uh, story idea, um, Leah Williams is taking the whole psychology of Kara... Her nightmare is that the ship is still trying to form her into the ultimate Kryptonian being. And that's not who she wants to be. So it keeps reminding her of her failures and how she's alone. And she's like, you know, she ends up defeating it by reminding her, like, yeah, I already know all this. And, I, and I'm okay with it. Um, and uh, so she ends up breaking out of the dream, right? You, 
assume that the night terrors ends. Um, and she comes out and the first thing she does is she runs in to see Omen who's still asleep and jumps onto her bed, uh, scares streaky. Who's, uh, sleeping with Omen, uh, on, on her bed. Uh, and she goes, I just wanted to check. And Omen's like, okay, yeah, whatever. Um, and then, um, when Paige had defeated the symbiote ship, thing that you know when it tells when she tells it that you know i know i know who i am you don't have to tell me it like crash lands into the water right and uh the last scene in this part of the story is what looks like a piece of the of the ship getting onto a hermit crab which then is picked up by some fishermen and brought back into a port where now it looks like it's spreading almost like a brainiac virus kind of thing onto the small little island it says to be continued in power girl so, um, uh, much like the detective comic ones, we just, uh, it seems like this was, a, is, you know, it's at least Leo Williams trying to work in to a later story, you know, whatever her nightmare was, it'll be able to play into whatever the power girl story is. Um, Georgi- uh, I'm going to mess it up, but Georgiev, Georgiev, whatever, whichever one it is. Um, the art's pretty good. Uh, we we get a lot of repeat stuff because as she's going out and breaking out of the matrix, it's a lot of like kind of copy paste the panels that we've already seen, but it's done in a real like artistic style where it's not just the same ones on repeat. They're kind of s- scattered uh, about, so it looks looks real cool. Um, and the you know the fight scene with uh, with the symbiote ship isn't so much a fight, but it's her talking. But there's still some dynamic there in between them like the art's not just uh, you know single panel type stuff it's a big splash page of her you know telling the ship no so um really liked it it is not that it's a necessary piece to the power girl story but you can tell that leah williams really has an affection for power girl and wants to make her stand on her own even through something like night terrors um so uh, that was the first half the back half is the continuation of the cyborg Superman nightmare Which, that the super family is having. From what I remember, I liked mm-hmm. most of that first half of yeah. that story. And then at mm-hmm. the end, I, I could tell it was pivoting into just like big action nonsense. Well, so you might want to go back and read this one just because of what it does with Osul and Ortho. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause they're, they're the main stars of this one. Um, so it, it gets to that point where, you know, crypto and um, Connor and I think Natasha are all kind of, uh, uh, fused into this new cyborg Superman, and it starts to come after Ultho and, uh, and Osul. And uh, as they, you know, Keenan gets them out of out of uh, the apartment and down into Metropolis, but they start to realize that Metropolis is now starting to turn into War World. Um, and this is where they realize they're in this nightmare realm. And uh, the first thing, uh, as, as they're trying to run from Cyborg Superman, he starts telling the sister um, about, like, you don't really trust your brother, do you? Because, you know, he was brought back by, by you know, Superman making this deal to get the power from this old dead god. And you don't really trust that that's your brother anymore, right? And, and then it goes after the brother. And I'm using sister and brother because I still forget who's who. Uh, and I don't want to, my iPad's not working that well, so I don't want to, uh, pop back open to the, the story, but, um, so then it, then it starts telling the brother, you know, or, um, 
you know, about how the sister, you know, he doesn't trust her because, you know, she fought for those chains. And that that, that fighter, that, that war Zune, is always going to be in her no matter what she does. You know, and it's almost these inner, um, like, almost intrusive thoughts that's fueling their nightmares. Uh, but... Uh, as the nightmares keep going, the, the the brother and sister end up realizing what's going on, and that like no, Superman saved them, but more importantly, they kind of saved themselves, and now they have this new family, and they don't have to deal with this all on their own. Um, and so they end up defeating the cyborg Superman, and and all the War World type stuff, um, uh, only to you know to end up uh, back in the apartment at the end where they wake up and you know, kind of discussed with the family what had gone on. So, um, nice little title war world stuff here. Uh, definitely lesser on the, the cyborg Superman. Um, but, uh, the art in this one is, you know, as good as Philip Kennedy Johnson is seeing Metropolis switch into war world. And then each of the, the, the brother and sister, are they twins? Are they, yeah, cause we're calling them the super twins, right? Oh, I don't know. Uh... Okay. Maybe? <laughs> I thought so. I thought I read that. Anyway, see, seeing each of them um, and each of what their struggle looked like through through our world. So when 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 the boy that was resurrected, everything's bathed in blue, like the energy that was you know gifted to him by Superman to resurrect him. Uh, and with with the girl, everything's in that you know reddish orange that was in War World, you know. Um, and yeah, so. Very, very adept storytelling from Philip Kennedy Johnson uh, on this one. So, uh, do you want, should I do each of the stories or just as a whole? Uh, just as a whole, I think, yeah. Just as a whole? I'll give the whole thing a 7.5. Uh, just because mainly because the Night Terror stuff is kind of, you know, kind of based. But the fact that they're, that both of these writers and, and the artists themselves do are trying to tell a story that is still unique to these characters that's not just Night Terrors. That's not just fully, you know, based on that. Um, I, I give that a lot of a lot of credit. So, so yeah, seven point five. Okay. okay. Uh, Batman Superman World's Finest issue eighteen. Mark Wade writing with Travis Moore on the art. So, uh, this is a flashback story, which is funny to say because the regular book's always set in the past anyway. Mm -hmm. But this is set further in the past because this is the first time Batman and Superman worked together. Mark Wade's getting to insert his own version of a big bit of continuity uh so the story revolves around riddler who leaves like a weird message on one of his crime scenes and when clark sees it he realizes it's kryptonian and that makes him want to come to gotham uh, uh later on there's a comment that implies that batman's been operating for about a year so yeah uh sure enough uh, Superman goes to Gotham and talks to uh, Jim Gordon, asks for <laughs> for what he knows about what's going on, mm -hmm. um, and then quite quickly Batman's eavesdropping on that conversation, and uh, they have a bit of a conversation. And th this stuff's really fun because like they don't reveal who they are yet. Superman makes a point of saying that he's respecting his privacy by not just looking through mm -hmm. his mask, and Batman's like. Well, you know, I've been keeping track of you, and you seem to mostly be quiet during, like, U.S. office hours, so that implies you've got a day job, you tend to, <laughs> like, he starts, like, just picking at things, and it's like, mm. you know, your accent, you sound like you're from Kansas, and it's like, oh, like, he's he's nailing this, <laughs> like, he's, he's just getting all these things right. 
but people are disappearing. That's the, the big thing that's happening, other than the Riddler stuff, is that random civilians are fading away into nothing. Kind of like that episode of the hit television show, but for the Vampire Slayer, uh, out of mind, out of sight, starring Cleo Duval from season one. Hmm. That's a good... That's the first one I remember watching, was that uh-huh. episode. Very nice. So, Very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, all fine and well. Um, they catch a couple of villains. Uh, what is it? Spellbinder and Magpie. Yeah. Uh, are up to no good and this is really just a few pages to really enjoy the travis moore art which while you know we don't have dan moore on this book anymore the art here is very good mm-hmm. yeah i think it's superman that's punching up through the the manhole cover yeah yeah right to stop the car uh it's a fun little piece or he grabs the car as he punches up through it you know yeah and the simple little coloring thing is that the background there is yellow so his blue sleeve really pops because they're, they're contrasting mm-hmm. colors uh just a simple little thing uh you know batman's got more of a blue vibe to his like suit uh mm. he's got kind of the the old school sort of dark part of his cowl but the rest of it's more blue so they're, go- they're going for an old school vibe and it's all very uh very good batman says that he'll he'll know how to reach him and sure enough uh he basically just puts out a request to see clark kent um and then this mm-hmm. is after uh, alfred disappears alfred's the next victim where mm-hmm. he fades away into nothing so he gets desperate. He calls for Clark to offer an interview, and then immediately Bruce starts talking about how he's Superman. And Clark tries to play coy, like, yeah. like, oh no, you're not right. Uh, and Bruce has got all this evidence to back it up. He's he's been tracking flight patterns. The two most common places he flies to are the Daily Planet building and his apartment building. Is like you're you know you're Clark Kent. So that's when Clark finally looks through the the, the floor and sees the Batcave, uh, and yeah. everything's on the table. And it's like, uh, you know, so, yeah. Uh, and Bruce's, like, argument for just telling him is kind of interesting. He's like, look, you know, things are getting serious and whatnot, but honestly, I'm not going to start wearing a lead cowl, all right? So, like, we might as well just have this on the table so that mm-hmm. we, we can form some kind of partnership. Not that he wants to work together, because Batman doesn't like working with people. No. Uh, at least not yet, because it's the early days of Batman. But, right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they, they get another Riddler message at a memorial, which leads them to a location. Uh, Riddler is actually quite scared, though. He's seemingly scared by some shadowy figure who's kind of like a phantom. And the big reveal is that this villain's a Kryptonian. Uh, unsurprising because of the Kryptonian language, but it turns <laughs> out to be Jack Sewer, who has escaped the Phantom Zone and sends super sorry sends batman into the phantom zone so all these people who've been fading away they're fading into the phantom zone that's what the mm-hmm. reveal is at the end and jack sewer's got superman by the neck and batman is off in the phantom zone and that's the big cliffhanger ended uh this was really good uh, i enjoyed it mm-hmm. quite a bit the uh the art is really good it pops the colors really pop it's got the bold you know, reds and blues, it's got all that stuff. Riddler's green really sticks out. Um, it just the, the fun of them interacting for the first time and Wade just poking at the fun of how Batman's basically just figured out who he is already. Superman obviously can use his powers to figure out who Batman is as soon as he wants to. Just all these little things are the first times uh, is, a, is a lot of fun. I will say, Batman's already got that dinosaur in the cave, though. Yeah. So, so, we're, we're, so Wade's saying that in canon... That was in his first year operating as Batman. That's a bold. That's a bold choice. So, so it goes the origin in year one that, that Miller did, right? Yes. 
And then immediately after that's the dinosaur story. <laughs> it must be. <laughs> Based on what we're seeing here, it yep. must be. Uh, or Travis Moore just wanted to draw the dinosaur in the cave. I mean, that's okay. the more lately option, yeah, yeah. as, as yeah. that. I will say, not having finished this, only getting to the first third or so, coming back and looking at, at through the art with more, there's just some really striking images here. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Clark in the Bat Cave when he shows that he's Superman, right? It looks straight out of one of the movies, you know, from when the Christopher Reeve. Um, and then them in in broad daylight, Batman and Superman reading the Gotham Memorial thing. Just it's so Silver Age and silly. Like, but more really makes it work. Like, there's a certain like heaviness to his art that it just it doesn't seem completely um, out of hand. So yeah, no, uh, that stuff's good. Um, I I think. You know, I think the transition to Moore and whoever else we've had since Mora mm-hmm. is switched to the other book mm-hmm. is basically it's been so smooth and it's kept the uh, the feeling and the style, even though it doesn't look like Dan Mora art. It doesn't, but yeah. it, it's keeping that ultra clean Silver Age vibe going. Yeah. And the layouts are still really good. Um, and like the colors do pop. Like, see, when you get to that first page where you see the Riddler, the, the purple and the green pop so much because we've barely had any of those colors, so they, they really stick out as feeling different. Because you know, when Superman and Batman, it's all blue and a bit of red and yellow. Um, you know, like everything's kind of been in that color palette up until that point, so he really sticks out as being different. Uh, you know, although now that I'm skimming through the book again. Jim mm-hmm. Gordon's tie is green, so there's a little bit of green elsewhere, mm-hmm. but not much, not much. It's very limited. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I appreciate that. And hell, even Gordon talking to Superman, you know, and him feeling weird about it. Um, actually, there's a little joke here where Gordon says he's got no way to signal Batman, and then sort of, like, pauses and goes, hmm, that's not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. So, there are, so Wade's also establishing that the, the bat signal doesn't exist until at least a year after uh, Batman comes on the scene. Uh, Which would make sense, though, because I think the police would want to wait that out, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, thinking about it, I don't think year one has that at the end. Obviously, mm-hmm. Batman Begins does, but that's a movie that's different. Right. Um, Long Halloween definitely does, and that's meant to be like a... Not a year two story, but it's no. meant to be early, like in the early years. Right. So, yeah, because it's, cause it's Bruce teaming up with Gordon and Dent to, yeah. you know... To but make a, at the same time, difference. though, there's a quite a big rogues gallery all, already yeah. formed, so it, it has yeah. to be a couple of years in at least. But yeah, it, it's, a, it's just it's just an interesting little detail that you threw in there that there's no bat signal yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I get the feeling between this and like Teen Titans, which is also set in like the Silver Age sort of time mm-hmm. period, um, it, it does just kind of feel like they've given Wade carte blanche to just see that era you love referencing. Why don't you just go write multiple books yeah. in that era and just do like, but modernize it a bit. But typically, you're just doing that part of the timeline and go nuts. Just don't, but just don't contradict anything too badly. And mm-hmm. he's been let loose. I like this a lot. Yeah, <laughs> this is really good. Real quick, do you know why Jaxer Jaxor was put into the Phantom Zone? Off do you know top, the reason? Off the top of my head, yeah. Uh, I don't remember. I bet I know it when you tell me it though. Yep. Yep. So he he was he conducted an experiment that destroyed one of Krypton's moons, and mm. so you know uh, Jor El was forced to use the Phantom Zone technology to put him in there because that was the the fate that the Science Council had uh, determined for him. 
Oh, interesting. Um, okay. Yep, yep, because he killed 500 people when that uh, that were that were living on that moon. So he's a Kryptonian terrorist, basically. Is what yeah. You're saying. Yeah, but like he wasn't like it says here he was an immoral and criminal, criminally deviant scientist. Um, so yeah, you know, I don't think there was any you know do this or I'll blow the moon up. Moon up. He was just like, hey, watch me blow that moon up. Uh, yeah, that by the way, that full page spread when Superman gets punched out of the ship by yep. him. Just, so good. Yeah, just before it reveals who it is, uh, again, mm. it's another fantastic page, another fantastic panel, even. Yep. Uh, just really gorgeous. So, yeah. Um, and for color scheme reasons, I like that Jack Sewer also wears green because it just makes him side with the villain side. Not that yep. green's always a bad color, of course, but just no. in the context of this issue, it kind of represents. It ties them together. Yeah. So. Neat. Really good. What are you giving World's Finest, Matt? Oh, okay. Um, judging from going through there and the story they're like, I'm going to give this an 8.5. Yeah, I agree. 8.5. That's yeah. very good. Uh, it's a really fun, classic Superman-Batman romp. Um, and I think it's benefiting from being quite simple versus... you know, Because I think some of the previous arcs that I've enjoyed in this... I've maybe suffered a little bit from like overly complex where there's like all mm-hmm. this backstory to set up and like all these guest characters also there. This one being simpler because there's no Robin or Supergirl around or no Doom Patrol, even though I like all those characters and I like seeing them. Yeah. Uh, it's making this one feel a bit more streamlined, which is nice. Uh, so, cool. Uh, the Penguin, issue one, Tom King writing with Raphael de La Torre on the art. So... Mm-hmm. Oh, we were very curious about this. Obviously, a Tom King book mm-hmm. gets a, gets our eyes uh, to light up. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's set in continuity. Obviously, the stuff with Penguin's kids taking over all of his business in Gotham is yeah. you know relevant and it's referenced. It's, it's not, they don't go into it too much in this issue, but it is mm-hmm. referenced and it's probably going to be important uh, in coming issues. Yeah. Uh, but so the the main narrative trick of this issue, right? And I think it's interesting that it's kind of set and references at some events in Killing Time, although thematically mm-hmm. it feels quite different is that that had its gimmick, right? That had the time gimmick where it kept saying, oh, this time and date, and it would jump around to different people on that time or that day, and it would build up a story around that, right? And every issue did that. This this series seems to have its own gimmick as well, which is that there's multiple narrators, but the narrator is never Penguin himself. It's always someone who is with Penguin or watching Penguin in the scene. We never know what Oswald's thinking. Yes, but it does this great job of like building him up, like the mm-hmm. way that other people are scared of him in this issue, um, or impressed by him, or mm-hmm. like you know Batman's um, attitude mm-hmm. towards him and how different that is to everyone else. Yeah. Well, and his new fiance, how she just adores him mm-hmm. by you know the way that she talks about him in her inner monologue, right, or whatever her narration is, um, compared to how the the tailor is completely like terrified of him of saying the wrong word. Right? It's in funny. Front of him. It's almost meta to a point because it gets mm-hmm. to the point where it references that Batman doesn't take him seriously enough to for yeah. us as the audience to realize that he's actually this scary to most regular yeah. people. Yeah. But he is. He he bites people. Uh, everyone's like scared of the life. But he's living this. He's living quietly in Metropolis. Uh-huh. He's supposed to be dead, and yeah. he's you know, he's living his life out there. So the story starts and ends with this bookend of like something set. Uh, a year later, because well, yep. I think this is present day, and then it says a year ago uh, yeah. when it goes into the main story. Uh, but Batman's crashed the bat plane into the water, and it's sinking. Cobblepot's in the seat next to him, and they're drowning. And uh, but, you know that's kind of like what we're sort of building up to, seemingly. Mm-hmm. 
And we go back a year later, it's in Metropolis, he's with his tailor, and the tailor's narration here is that because he says Cobblepot seems to have lost weight, he then gets worried in his head that he's yep. implied that he looked bad before and starts begging for his life and he's like, oh, what's he going to do to my wife? What's he going to do to my kids? He's going to stab them with an umbrella. And he's, mm-hmm. he's like, he really comes across as this unhinged mob boss in this guy's mm-hmm. head. But Penguin just says, oh, no, no big deal. People yeah. say things at a turn. It's not a big deal. Uh, I'll be back from a suit. You know, he mm-hmm. just kind of goes about it. And he's got his little bonnet cap on and he goes to the park right. to feed the pigeons. And and this is where they're talking about the rule of thumb, right? Is that in this part? Uh, no, I think that was later. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, that was later because that, that was when it was more menacing because the, the rule right. of thumb... So yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he explains this later that the rule of thumb uh, comes from... Uh, this old proverb of or this old story that back, yeah. back in like ancient history it's it's, it's, they, it's when the husband comes in to buy a that's that's uh, right because penguins from working from the flower shop yeah Pe- penguins working as a florist basically and yep. this guy comes in looking for flowers because he's forgot an anniversary his with his wife mm-hmm. and he mentioned penguin says rule of thumb is you should you know you get what you pay for because the guy says make it look expensive but it's not mm-hmm. and then he goes into just explaining why where the rule of thumb comes from and penguin explains now, the rule of thumb is that back in the day when you could, like, it was acceptable to, like, assault your wife. Mm-hmm. Um, Beat the, your wife. The rule of thumb comes from those days because it was like, you can hit her with a stick, but the rule is, is that it can't be any thicker than your thumb. Or it's too much. Yep. That, that's, that's too much abuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Uh, and boy, does that come into play a little bit later? Oh yeah, I mean, I don't know if this is accurate. This this yeah. origin of this I phrase. I've, I've heard this too, but I've also heard people debunk it and go that that's not. There's you know, there's different different origins for that term of rule of thumb. You know, but but yeah, I've definitely heard this one. You know, on the internet, yeah, it, it um, is worth mentioning that because of all these narration boxes on every mm-hmm. scene. It is a very dense read, but yes. I have to say every scene was very captivating. Like, every oh, every single scene I was super it, into. It took me three times to read this, not because I wasn't enjoying it, but uh, just with the week I've had and how busy I've been. I've been sitting to read it, uh, you know, right before bed, and just there were so many boxes that I was just like, all right, I'll get to this tomorrow, you know, just because it's one that I want to sit and be able to read. And, and it took multiple times, but I'm glad that I got through it because, yeah, every scene, it just has, like, a richness it. It, it just it, it does this great thing where it builds where so you've got so not including the batman thing because that's kind of a separate bookend yeah. is you've got this opening scene where it's this guy being scared of him but he doesn't mm-hmm. react to it and then yeah. you've got him going to the park and the narration in this scene is someone mm-hmm. we don't know who this is till later it turns out to be the 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 agent FB, bleep. yeah agent blake from the uh well not blake is it blake bleep no bleep bleep, bleep yeah, yeah. That, that's bleep. her nickname that she hates now yeah yeah because yeah, it's um uh, the name comes she, up later. She was the super. Yeah, no, she no, was the I, super, I, I know yeah. who she is. I'm just saying yes. that I don't remember this name. I remember her actual yeah. name. Well, I don't. But I like that in yes. my head. I'm I'm seeing like a proper name. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Anyway, so she's the one narrating during this park bit, and it's clear yeah. that she's sur- sur- they're surveying Cobblepot. They're watching yeah. his move, and she sends in an undercover cop to try and rail him up. And it's this big, muscly guy, right? Yeah. Who comes in and just starts yelling f bombs at him and call him a fat boy and things mm-hmm. like that and the whole idea is that they're trying to see if he'll snap and the, she says that this guy's scared and that they told him to wear uh, a diaper because 
he might piss himself and uh-huh. at the end of the scene she mentions that he's pissed himself and they're just yeah. lucky that cobblepot didn't notice but they're basically testing if cobblepot will stick to his cover story which is that he's a nice mm-hmm. old man feeding the pigeons and he's not going to snap and but he, he thinks she genuinely thinks though that if this doesn't work and he does snap this mm-hmm. this cop that she's sitting is probably going to die like that's yeah. the attitude she has in this narration mm-hmm. it's, it's very he's gonna rip his throat out with his bare hands it's really building yeah. up this character but then after this we get this complete shift to mm-hmm. penguin going home to his new wife who mm-hmm. is treating him like he's a little king they end up in bed together mm-hmm. um you know they're being really sweet with each other it's you know and the coloring here is great because you know all the stuff yeah. in the park was all this muted yellows and like you know autumn yeah. colors all this stuff once they're in bed it's all these strong pinks yeah. all the romantic colors you know i do love that he you know because they they got a little bit into it that he burned dinner right because there's like that he was trying to take care of really making dinner nice so he waited for her to come home so he didn't and then they just get into it in bed and he's like oh dinner's ruined anyways you know and it was just these nice little little character moments uh with with oswald yeah, and then it's the scene where the guy comes in asking for the flowers for his wife. Yep, the forest. And the, uh, Cobblepot's bird baits him and he gets really upset about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when eventually uh, Espinosa, that's her name, yeah. Agent Espinosa comes in and she's got a scar where her eye is because, and they reference this later, but Riddler mm-hmm. sh- shot her in the eye in a killing yep. time. So this is a character that King set up and I think created. I don't think she was from anything before that book. Yep. And she's here to bring in Cobblepot. And Amanda Wallers ends up being there. So they're behind the glass in the interrogation yeah. place, right? So Cobblepot can't see them. And this this comes from a this is Waller's narration, where she's basically saying how impressed she is that's like this agent brought in Cobblepot, but she's she dare not show it. She doesn't want to show that she's impressed because yeah. that'll that'll weaken her like demeanor and the like the respect she commands from her agents. And she actually kind of, uh, you know, the agent provokes her a little bit. Agent, agent Bleak provokes her by saying, what, not even a good job or something like that? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'll be impressed if you bring in Batman. But until then, <laughs> yeah, nothing. <laughs> uh, so they do this thing where they keep Cobblepot locked up and Espinosa goes in every day to give him food, take away his, like, his bucket that he's been shitting into. Mm-hmm. Um, no one else, everyone else is too scared to go in, but she keeps going yeah. in. And then eventually she goes in and basically pitches him that he's going to go back to Gotham, but he's working for them and he's going to take back um, his his you know empire, yeah. uh, but for them. Um, so I don't know if this is like technically saying that you know this is all under Amanda Waller, so this is kind of almost Suicide Squad esque, mm-hmm. but not exactly. But uh, she recruits him, she provokes him by smoking in front of him. Because uh, he's been like basically going cold he, turkey. Yeah, he told he tells his wife that he quit and yeah. you know he's better off for it and stuff. And that's kind of the tell too that it, it's when it's his old life is coming back to haunt him, right? Yeah, it's kind of, I think what the, the book's doing is it's playing with this idea if he wants his old life back or not. We don't uh-huh. really know, but it does feel like he happily takes it when he's like offered it. Here well, at the doesn't, end, doesn't she threaten right that he's like uh, I'll come after your wife. Oh, if you don't do this, right? she does. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, the, the so agent says begr- that. Yeah, yeah. So he begrudgingly is like, oh, I guess I have to do this because I want to protect the one person that I care about. You know, 
but yeah, which which leads to the to the ending, which totally shocked me. Well, uh, before we even get to the ending, though, he just he doesn't say anything. He just like mm-hmm. stands up and leaves the room because yeah. she says you're free to go at any time, but now you work for me. Mm-hmm. And like she has this moment after he leaves, where like she knows that eventually he's probably going to try and kill her and will probably succeed. Mm-hmm. But she's like, for right now, the penguin is mine. And there's this full page spread of her basically shouting "F yeah" as mm-hmm. she's thinking the penguin is mine. Like she's like reeled in this bird she's caged the bird damn it and she's so excited about it and the penguin goes back to the tailor from the start of the book um oh sorry he did say one line he said he had to go and pick up his suit he did say that uh but uh he goes to the tailor and beats the shit out of him with his umbrella and then there's one last little bit at the end where we see them drowning in the bat uh plane again Mm -hmm. uh but it is kind of an interesting thing like if we read this final scene with penguin is like is he acting out of anger because he feels like he's been emasculated by this entire like thing that's just happened to him so he's like going back to feel strong by like you know Mm -hmm. murdering this guy or is this him like basically saying if i am that guy again i'm going to go back and react like Mm -hmm. i would have done before that's so i read it as this is him having rage that his old ways no matter no matter what he tried to do his old ways are are you know so how am i gonna put this is he can't escape he can run but he can't escape his old life and this is his old life coming back and so this is to me i read this as a act of rage that he embraces because you know he's gonna have to go do this to save his new uh wife uh and he's upset about that um but i also think he's He's definitely going to plot against everybody, and I feel that that's I, what leads yeah. leads to the bat plane being shot down in Gotham Harbor. I am not convinced he's upset that he has to go back to this slave. I like. I'm not saying that I definitely think he wants it mm-hmm. um, necessarily, but I think I read this scene more the first way I said, which is he's mm-hmm. doing this because he has to get out his rage on someone, yeah. and this is the last person. Uh, well, it's not the last person, but it's the easy person no. to go and retaliate Wait. against. I I think he feels so angry about now being controlled by someone else, mm-hmm. and that he feels like he has to do something for someone else. That he has to go and like be because I mean, Penguin's whole thing in, in a lot of ways is that because he was mocked for his limp and his looks mm-hmm. and called the Penguin, that basically motivated him to be extra angry, extra vicious, and take control mm-hmm. the way that he did of the underworld, right? So Wait. this idea that someone is now suicide squatting him and saying, you have to work mm-hmm. for me now, and you've got no choice in the matter, that must make him feel so powerless. And if there's one thing we know the Penguin doesn't like, is feeling nope. powerless. So That's true. Um, the question for me is is that once he gets back into this, is this a story about someone who really actually was happy that he was out of this life? Uh-huh. Or is this a story of someone who is actually going to realize he loves being back in it? I, I actually don't yeah. know at this point. Yeah. And I think that's going to be part of the fun uh, of it is it's going to keep us guessing. But yeah. it, it already feels like one of those Tom King prestige, you know, just just with how much that it set us up and how much into the, the headspace we're not in. To, to him because we're, we're usually pretty good in a Tom King book of knowing what the what the characters are thinking and the sheer fact that he chose in this issue at least to give us everybody else's point of view about Oswald 
uh, and not Oswald himself? Like, is that going to be the, not, I don't want to say gimmick, but is that going to be the hook of the book? Is we're just going to watch him go through the stuff and not know exactly what his intentions are? I think that this is this is the storytelling mechanic of the book, and we're either never going to hear Penguin's thoughts, or mm-hmm. if we do, it'll be a special thing when we get to yeah. the last issue. The, maybe he'll finally do it in the final part, but I don't yeah. think it'll be something yeah. that they, he does willy-nilly in issue two or three. Mm-hmm. I think we'll hold it off until a big moment yeah. before we finally hear what he's thinking, if ever. We might never do it, because what this succeeds in doing is building him up as this force of to be mm-hmm. reckoned with. And the, the, the last thing Batman thinks as he's possibly dying uh, with Penguin is, how the hell does he do this? Like, he, yeah. he's underestimated Penguin. He's not aware of just how how successful yeah. he was at being this criminal boss in the underworld and how much like stuff he was getting away with in Gotham that, you know, Batman was capturing everyone else. And arguably, everyone else Batman was capturing was more of a concern, really, because mm-hmm. Penguin wasn't necessarily, you know... Like, he murdered people, but he wasn't a serial killer. You know, he murdered people in the organized yeah. crime way, occasionally yeah. when it called for it, but, yeah. you know. I always thought that he was the the blending of Batman, of where, you know, Batman's not afraid to go bust heads, right? But he also has to be the, the rich guy. And I always felt like Penguin was the, the mirror of Batman of that, was like, you know, he was, the, he was always the gentleman killer, right? You know? Uh, he wasn't like Joker that was just instilling fear across the way. So the way that King does this, where like everyone still has a little bit of fear of the penguin because he can, you know, not snap at any moment, but he's going to do things that's going to end in your demise, end up in your demise. I, I like that whole vibe. It really makes the character pop differently than just the, you know, the, the mob boss that throws his money around. I mean, definitely like a mob boss in this. Definitely for like mm-hmm. a mob boss who's in like witness protection or something like that. And mm-hmm. uh, right, but but not the mob boss way where he just has the money. It's the mob boss that he like he he you know stabbed and shot his way all the way to the top. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. there. But I, I would also disagree slightly. You said that it's not like he can just snap at any point. I think it is that he can snap at any point. Yeah. I I think the whole thing with Cobblepot's character is that. He is. He hated being made fun of so much when he was younger that if if you slight him at all, he will try and yeah. kill you. Um, it's the, the pettiness, yeah, that drives so, him. Yeah, I'd say less gentleman yeah, killer and more like. Remember, just if Anthony's the opposite, it's petulant yeah. child killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> In a way. Well, because like I said, always thought of yeah. it as you know, like the idea of the penguin is that he was ice cold, right? And he he always kind of resembled a bird. Right, but he was able to keep his composure for the most part. If, if, anything, if, we're going, if I was going to call anyone a gentleman killer, it'd be that mm-hmm. guy from Killing Time. The yeah, that was the going mo- around. That was my next question. Are we going to see the help pop up? Hmm. That's kind of his dark Alfred because now I he's going to get back into this. And if you need someone to help you get back control of Gotham City, who better than the help? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I, that's yeah. the honest answer to that is i do not know mm-hmm. um yeah uh, the art in here is very good by the way mm-hmm. yeah it's rafael uh de la Torre, and uh it says here that he's he's done uh daredevil and uh, so it fits that vibe right it's got this grittiness to yeah it. I, I didn't recognize the name but i, I think i may have seen some of his daredevil stuff now mm-hmm. you said that yeah. um but it's very moody of course uh the color schemes are like each scene's got a distinct color scheme which is very very good because it, it really has a good vibe to it it has this idea that 
this world that penguins in in metropolis is this sunnier happier place yeah. um and then as soon as you get to like the interrogation room it's this cold clinical you know all these things yeah. um you know it's, it starts being warm colors because you know yeah you had the romantic colors in the one bedroom scene but for mm-hmm. the most part it was oranges and yellows and stuff and then yeah. pink, pink's still a warm color once you get to the interrogation room it's like oh no now everything's very very muted it's cold it- and, and it's it, stark and right? it gets like, it gets colder as the scene goes on like you know there's still mm-hmm. a little bit of yellow and stuff in that first page mm-hmm. but then by the time uh agent uh espinoza comes in mm-hmm. and sits down it starts to just drain and it's just more it looks more like a like slightly green and white uh, more mm-hmm. than anything else and it's just completely if it, it's like mr freeze has blasted the comic with a bit of a freeze gun by the time we get yeah. to the end of the scene and I think that's to like go along with the mood, and that's really good. Um, um, and honestly, the, the the page after that, where Penguin's like murdering the tailor with his umbrella, that's mm-hmm. probably the only time in the entire book where I feel like it breaks its formatting by going stylish. Because everything else up until that point, it's all very neat, clean boxes. In fact, that interrogation scene's a lot of nine-panel grids. It, everything's very neat. Everything's very structured. And then you get to that that panel, and it's the only one that's not in a box. It's it's you know this red streak of uh, blood that's going back behind the panels, uh, like it, it really sticks out and emphasizes the violence because it's different from mm-hmm. every other page in the book. So, yeah. very good. Uh, and you definitely read the rule of thumb thing at the end there, right? Where he was beating him with the umbrella, but the umbrella wasn't, uh, or the stick, whatever, or the cane. He was his cane, right? But it wasn't wider than Penguin's thumb. Well, it's an umbrella he's using to the end. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then it's the handle, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, the, that said, though, he's, that said, though, I'm pretty sure this guy's dead. So I mean, yeah, I, for sure. Yeah. I, but don't I just th- feel like that was the rule of thumb coming back into play. Because I feel like the rule well, of thumb thing, I, I assumed anyway, was to not leave any marks that were big enough. Right. But right. I've got a funny feeling this guy is going to look pretty rough with <laughs> when the police yeah. find him. <laughs> for sure. Just, just a feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah yeah he's definitely dead he's got blood coming from his head at the end the last page um so no i am very curious about where this goes and what they do with uh penguin over the course of it um i don't remember how many issues this is supposed to have if i may even be technically an ongoing yeah there's no out of on the page because i looked at it on the cover that's fascinating there's none yeah hey maybe maybe that means that king's got like a 25 issue story planned for this or something it could mean that's cool that could be that could be a lot of fun too because that means we're going to get to take uh, our time with it. We don't have to, to rush that year, right? Oh, yeah. And I, I really liked, as well, uh, the pacing of this issue. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think the fact that all these scenes got to breathe and I got mm-hmm. to really get in, engrossed in all of them, uh, I hope it keeps up that, that pacing. Uh, yep. I'm down for it. So, very nice. Uh, nice. What are you rating the Penguin, Matt? Uh, I'm going to give a solid eight. I gotta go nine. I, I, I think right. I was I was super into it. The art's really nice. The the, uh, the the narration always being from someone else's perspective and the scene never Penguin himself. I thought was super yeah. effective. Probably more effective, I think, than the time mechanic of uh, Killing Time. Mm-hmm. Um, so and you know to be honest, uh, you know, I like Killing Time, but I do think the whole flashback thing that was doing with the the ancient stuff was you know in hindsight my least favorite thing about that whole book. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad this didn't have that in it. It didn't have that weird subplot thing that it was putting in. Yeah. I, I suppose you could argue the book ends with the, the present day stuff is kind of what that's going to be mm-hmm. here, but that feels more conventional to me. It doesn't feel... Yeah. You know. No. That was definitely King taking a risk in that one. Right? Yeah. To, to kind of drive point the story of whatever the I was, right? So here it's a little bit different. This is definitely Oswald's story completely. Yeah. So, yeah. So, very good. Uh, next up, we got... Hot Girl issue two, Josiah, Axelrod, and Amanki and Hulpin on the art. Uh, so we read issue one and mm-hmm. we didn't love it, but it, it, you know there were some things I liked about mm-hmm. it. Um, I do think this issue two is a little bit messier, um, yes. and and how it's, it's particularly because I really liked how it set up the villain in the first issue, and I feel like this one, uh, the villain stuff early on was felt a little bit more haphazard to me. Um, yeah, also the name of the villain. We didn't get the villain's name in the first one, right? I, well, if we did, I didn't remember it, yeah. Yeah, but what is it, Vol, Volpicula? I was wondering if it was maybe Vol, Vol, uh, Pucula, maybe? Maybe it's like a, yeah. a chess sound with a, the C? I don't know. Maybe, but I, all I can think of is like a bad Dracula kind of, <laughs> kind of name. And just like, I really like, I really, in here, I really like the Galaxy character, uh, right, which shouldn't be because this is Axelrod's character from, from the um, from that young adult uh, graphic novel. And I really like what's going on with, with Hot Girl itself. But man, this villain story and the nth world and all of that, it's just, it, it's really not doing much for me. Yeah. Um, so we, yeah, we learn a little bit more about, uh, you know, Galaxy. About Galaxy um, yeah. and her girlfriend. Um, Kendra's. Class. What? Yeah. Well, so uh, when, when they go to off, you know, the. The girlfriend has to go to class and, and you know, is worried about Galaxy and stuff. And Galaxy is oh, like, okay. oh, you don't said, worry about me. You said class. I didn't hear what you said. I just heard a class. random Sorry. sound coming out of me. I was so like, said, no, I said class, right? And so, uh, so I go, I'm good at torts and stuff. And, you know, so again, the characterization yeah, what, 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 what on... What is a tort? Yeah. Somebody explain to me. So a tort, it, it's in law, right? It's one of those type of lawsuits. It's kind of like a class action, right? Oh, okay. So there's, like, there's tort law. And here in, in the States... There's been this, you know, right wing push to to dial back tort reform because, you know, tort reform put a lot of businesses, if they do something shady, you can sue them for it um, and it makes it easy. Uh, and so here in her law class, that's apparently she's good at that, which which I think will, will come into play later when it comes to unraveling shady stuff, maybe. I don't know. Um but yeah, there's just a lot of fun little characterization stuff like that, uh, interaction between the characters that I think Axelrod's really good at. Some of maybe the bigger stuff that we'll get into, maybe not. But yeah, as you're saying with Kendra. Yeah, uh, Kendra's like you know we see her. It's, it's like those ghosts of all our past lives like mm-hmm. standing around her, mm-hmm. and it's like she's having a conversation with them. Um, but mm-hmm. she's having some trouble with her wings. Uh, Galaxy kind of steps in and uses her powers to make it work. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the villain, uh, Volpucula, or whatever. There you go. Uh, I, I want to say it's like spatula, but with a V. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Vatula. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, well, I'm thinking because like, the, the Latin form for a fox is, is vulpine, right? Okay. So I'm wondering if it is vulpecula. So it's, it's like a, a, a yeah. vulpine and Dracula, like whatever the, that suffix but is, but yeah. She's basically making monsters using nth metal, and she mm-hmm. wants to make a lot more. 
and because it'll open a doorway to the nth world or something right. like that uh so that's made me think of turtles 2 secret of the use because it was like she has her own tokar and razor yeah uh oh, sorry. Not, not, but... not razor razor sorry yeah so good, razor. except this one's a this one's a a race car and a wolf dog. And yes, yes. Yes. And it's like quite monstrous. Instead of a snapping turtle. But she's got her henchmen, um, and Galaxy's helping Kendra with her, her wing issue by using her powers to, like, fill in the gap oh, between her her wings and her body yeah, or something I, like that. which I thought yeah. was really, really interesting that she's seeming like the nth metal is not actually bonded with her. So now, now she, you know, fixed that because she can manipulate these energies and whatever. Um, so I thought that was really a, an interesting thing for her because Kendra's had these wings for you know it seems like an eternity um but yeah yeah um so Kendra's all happy about that and um basically uh invites or uh, Galaxy invites Kendra to go out for Uh a drink uh because Kendra owes her for helping her Mm -hmm. uh which she does it turns out to be a gay bar which she wasn't expecting um and her friend ends up being there uh uh, Abilene, who mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with this character, I don't think. I don't remember. She was the one that she was meeting. That they hadn't seen each other since school in the beginning of the book. In the beginning oh, of the first sure, issue. Oh, sure, okay. Sure, sure, sure. So, this is her. Yeah. Um, is she, and she's shocked to see her there. Yeah, is there anything no. from before that? I can't remember. No, I don't think so. Okay. I just think it was the... It's the friend from high school that you haven't seen in a while. And it's like, oh, yeah. what are you doing here? Also, uh, Ga- Galaxy has a talking dog. Uh, mm-hmm. who... Who's her... Somehow is her... Her bodyguard that took the form of a corgi, which I'm here for this dog. Like I will, I will lay down for this corgi warrior. Okay. You know. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. So you know, it it does seem like maybe they're building up to something with Kendra and this old friend. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe this whole idea of running into each other at a gay bar, even yeah. though Kendra didn't know she was in a gay bar, right. uh, may lead to some sort of new type of relationship for Kendra. So. Yeah. Be curious to see if they do something with that. Mm-hmm. Um, the big thing is, though, is that the villain is looking for Ent Metal and her trained attack dog, wolf mm-hmm. monster thing, is smelling it out. And it leads them to the bar. And it's right after Kendra's like, been able to sort of like forget all the past lives. It's, mm-hmm. it's actually like the art is, is good. It's not great, yeah. I would say. But I do, yeah. I do like this page, though, because it's this really nice idea of she's dancing and the ghosts of their past lives are around her but they kind of fade away into bright light yep. as you go down the page because it's, it's like she's basically losing herself and she's not thinking yep. about it she's and in the moment she's yeah. not yeah she's not having the arguments with her past selves but then the villain shows up with her two monsters to smash through the skylight and uh the whole thing is you know um bit of a fight kendra gets mm-hmm. her hot girl gear on and uh the villain pisses off after she's basically snaps off one bit of her wing you know she gets yep. like one little bit of it and that's enough for now uh the cliffhanger did bring a bit weird to me and maybe it's just because i didn't remember this character from last issue yeah. but it like the, the the cliffhanger is that her friend like picks up the mask which has fallen off during the fight mm-hmm. and she looks over to kendra and says who are you so it, it's doing the someone finds out the secret identity like cliffhanger right, right? Which is mm-hmm. fine, but I felt like we hadn't built this character up enough yet for this I to know, be a yeah. big deal. I, I don't know. I just kind of feel like uh, yeah. I don't really, I'll it's, be honest. I didn't realize she didn't know until this yeah. panel. Yeah, 
It's that and, and the villain's motivation stuff that really bogged this down for me because I like all the character stuff with Kendra and her losing herself on the dance floor because she's finally almost at peace with who she is, right? After, after Galaxy kind of fuses her wings to her, it's like she's whole now, right? And so mm. now she doesn't have to have this inner monologue with all her past lives. She gets to be Kendra for the first time in a while. And I like all of that. And I like the stuff with Galaxy and, and her, her bodyguard, Corgi, and girlfriend, and, you know, living in Metropolis, but, you know, trying to just make it work and whatever. And then it just gets weighed down by some of this more superhero-y stuff, I guess. Um, so, yeah, there's a weird balance there. And also, Axelrod's style comes, you can tell they come from, from like, novels, because there's a very, very heavy pro style in some of the narrate not narration boxes, but um, you know, storytelling boxes, I guess, mm. uh, in there. Like it feels it's that they're just cut out of a novel. Which which is fine. It doesn't really, but sometimes it really stands out against some of the more comic booky, you know, it gets in the way of the flow sometimes at the page. But I think that's just as learning pains, right? Learning to write comics from instead of novels. Um, but yeah, it's definitely an interesting book. Um in that, like, it is taking its time with the characters, at least, you know, the parts of it that I like. And I don't necessarily know if I want more of this villain. Like, more is less when it comes to Volpecula. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see. And just, like, the, the whole Nth World thing, it's just I'm, I'm getting, you know, that that's Nightmare Stone material. Like, I don't need an Nth World. So hopefully this is just something silly. It's some parallel whatever. Um but yeah. Also, the the story in the front with the dog. Did, are, are we meant to be that the fox ate the dog after the dog dropped the meat in the river? Because it just says that the the fox is hungry, right? I feel like I I get what you're talking about, but I feel like you've yeah. just burst into that with no context for anyone listening to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so so if you if you haven't read, I'll, I'll set it up. Um, <laughs> at the beginning, so what, what Volpecula has been doing, right, in the narration is telling these, like, almost Aesop's fables that deal with foxes. And in this one is, like, this this dog is, is on his way home, but he has to cross a river, and he looks into the river and sees a dog also holding meat, right, and starts staring off and basically doesn't, doesn't realize that it's his reflection. And then this fox comes up and... Um, you know, basically lets him know, like, oh, you know, let that dog have a bigger piece of meat than than you have, right? Kind of stoking, this type of stuff. And then it says, you know, but at the end, all the fox knew is that it was hungry. So, and that the dog, you know, didn't have the meat anymore. So, are, are we to take that the, the fox ate the the dog? Or that the fox ate the, the wet food? Um, I, I'm not I, sure. I, th I think it was fox ate the dog. The idea was okay. it, it tricked the dog into... Basically drowning and then reap gotcha. the rewards effectively. Okay, gotcha. Which still still doesn't get how it plays in with the book where where it's you know she's turning people into race car monsters. Um, but sure, I'm sure it'll all come around by issue six. Uh, if we're, you know if we're still reading it by then. Um, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, this was kind of a mixed bag of an issue. Like mm -hmm. I, you know, it's maybe might not be high priority once more books launch, yeah. but. Um, I, I appreciate that it, it's got an identity at least, but I, I did mm -hmm. think this issue was definitely messier than the first one. Yeah, uh, for sure. For sure. Uh, were you giving it a ten? Uh, I'll give it a six point five. Yeah, I was thinking about a six point five. I, I think that feels right to me. Mm -hmm. Um, so there you go. 
next up, we have Unstoppable Doom Patrol issue 5, Dennis Culver writing with Chris Burnham on the art. So, uh, obviously, we've been digging this book a lot. And this issue... Actually, one of the things we've been saying about this uh, seven-issue miniseries is that mm-hmm. it feels like a lot of standalone stories as opposed to an arc, and it still feels that way, but yeah. this issue does kind of make it feel like there is a bit of a plan in place, because mm-hmm. this involves them investigating a company that's responsible for that new character from issue one's powers, yep. and it also uh, references the fact that, you remember, we had that infiltrator... Uh, the slug guy. Uh, yeah, right. in issue two. Yep. Uh, who ended up dying at the end of the issue? Um, like that was that was someone trying to steal stuff for the purpose of this company. Mm-hmm. So there is actually a lot of connective tissue uh, that's sort of mm-hmm. seeded. So you've got Robot Man and Elasta Woman jumping down to uh, fight people in this town, and then Negative mm-hmm. Man and uh, Beast Girl are up in the the the, the chopper, mm-hmm. and. Underground, you've got the chief, meaning the Crazy Jane persona, and uh-huh. and Niles, and mm-hmm. the new guy. What's this guy's name again? I keep forgetting. <sighs> new one. I freak. Let me let me click on it because the. Uh, you keep talking, and I'll let you know. When Smasher you Man. <laughs> oh, you're talking about Degenerate. Degenerate. Yeah. That's it. Yes. I, I thought you were talking about the the slug guy. No, we, no, no, no. I was talking about Degenerate. Yeah. Uh, so they're underground, tr- sneaking in whilst the other yeah. team members are distracting everyone up top, and it's like okay. Uh, the telepath one in the tank has, you know, given them this location. Uh, Mento. Uh, Mento, thank you. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And when they open the door underground, they're greeted by who I can only describe as Joel McHale and a bunch of uh, <laughs> soldiers. And he's this, you know, sleazy businessman who's doing experiments with uh, genes and genetics and metagenes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're making these metahumans. Uh, there is a quick scene, though, with Mala and this uh, ruler from the other country uh, yeah. and them getting ready. They want to destroy the Doom Patrol. That's obviously something else that's building up. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's, this is just a little tease in this issue. It's going to come up later, but uh, I just wanted to acknowledge that it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, this uh, business guy, he wants to hire Niles because he likes all of Niles' extreme ideas and brings up how, oh, you basically created the Doom Patrol by causing all their accidents. We want to like do that to the entire world. We want to like challenge the whole world with tragedy and see what greatness comes from it. And they was like, "Look, I was young and stupid. I made a lot of mistakes. This is a mm-hmm. terrible idea. Don't take those lessons from what I did." Um, and up top, you know, this was all a trap. Obviously, um, like all the people in the town turn yeah. out to be robots, so they're all fighting mm-hmm. Rita and, and Cliff, and they're having a hard time. Uh, negative man sends the negative spirit down and Beast Girl's left to fly the helicopter on her yeah. own and she doesn't know how. Which is all just very fun. I love the art mm-hmm. here, by the way. Burnham's art, uh, especially on Beast Girl, like, every time she, like, looks, like, scared or surprised, uh, it just looks glorious. He's very good at the expressiveness with her. It's the big, like, yeah. cartoon eyes just really uh-huh. works. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so all this is going on um, and they explain that they have built their first um superhero uh, meta woman right someone who's been built with their unique um mm-hmm. genetic experiments and yeah. they send her up to like deal with cliff and rita and it, it it goes well for meta woman at first she's got her cape on she like fights yeah. uh she, she knocks down rita she knocks down cliff 
But then it turns out that she's got a bit of like an amazing thing going where she kind of absorbs mm-hmm. the powers of whoever she's fighting and that's how she's like superior because she can fight anyone. But yeah. they've not really like made her prepared to handle these powers. So when she like takes Rita's powers, she basically just t- starts to transform into a giant blob monster of flesh. Yeah. And it's disgusting and funny and I loved it. Yeah, which which it did remind me of the Rita um, subplot in the first season of Doom Patrol, oh, the TV sure. show, right? Yeah. Oh, this is way bigger than that, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where she couldn't take the form, but this is on a massive scale, and I was like, oh boy, this is definitely a Doom Patrol story, right? Negative manga's woman. Negative manga's back up to the chopper, and uh, it's too late to do anything about it. So there's actually a panel of it clearly flying straight into this big blob of flesh. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, the chief is able to get uh, uh, was degenerate and yeah. and uh, sorry, I said the chief. Niles is able to get the chief mm-hmm. and degenerate back up because they've been shackled by the bad guy, mm-hmm. and he's able to like break them free. Turns out the bad guy's not really there. He's got like a robot here as an yeah. avatar, which makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. um, and the team up top are all running from this big flesh monster that's expanding and consuming the town. Um, although uh, Peacemaker and Amanda Waller's big mech robots are actually tr- shown up and they're trying to deal yeah. with it now instead. Uh, so, so the Doom Patrol are just escaping. They're just evading. Um, I love the visual of Negative Man's spirit carrying his body uh, yeah. at the end. I think that's quite a cool thing. Um, so yeah, they've been teasing this company and what they're up to, like throughout the book. So now they're kind of like out there as more direct villains, and they're also building up the uh, the Emperor dude uh, with Mala mm-hmm. and the other country because he wants to kill the Doom Patrol. There's actually it feels like now after this issue, suddenly there's like these two like converging plots that are building up that are probably going mm-hmm. to be a big part of the finale. Um, so yeah, yeah, I really like this issue. I, I think this is. Uh, I probably enjoyed this a bit more than the last couple. And I've enjoyed all the issues, but I, th- I think this was a really good, solid uh, progression story yeah. issue. Yeah, so I wasn't here for the last one, right? I was I was off on that uh, episode. Mm-hmm. And that, that whole story where you got to, you know, basically go into therapy with each of the characters, I thought was really... I don't think that was the last one. I think that was two issues ago. Was that two issues ago? What was so. the last one then? Oh, God, you're asking. Uh... Yeah, let me... I'll, I'll click on it and find out. Because I thought I wasn't here for that one. Um, but I really liked it, right? Where you get to see where each of these characters are. Um, and we got Beast Girl's origin, right? In that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds right. So, but yeah, I, I like that one. All of these have been, yeah, that was that one. Because that's, you get the, um, what's that? Dr. Dr. Cinco, right? The fifth dimensional entities. I could that have, was, I could have sworn yeah. that was several issues ago, but okay. That's well, fair that enough. was issue four, bud. Um, but yeah, so I, I like that one. Uh, this one was I like the superhero-ness of this one. So like you were saying earlier, that they they feel kind of like standalones, right? This one is kind of like see the Doom Patrol in action, right? Mm. After we've got to be with the characters and and all of that type of stuff. So yeah, I feel like Culver's doing a real good job at endearing them to us through this, and now you know we kind of know what the threat is beyond Mala and uh, Amortis. Um, cause you also have, you know, Waller and, and Peacemaker and Lane in the wait too, right? So they're getting pressure from both sides. Um, and it's Velvet is that slug creature. And I think it's curious that Velvet has seemed to get an in with Calder. So I wouldn't be surprised if that 
you know, uh, is a piece of something going forward as well. So, but yeah, no, this is a lot of fun. Um, a lot of fun action. Uh, the the meta I'm looking at it right now, the the meta woman um, exploding into the big giant blob is such a funny visual to me, and I, I can't understand why. I don't know if it's because her fingers exploding look like a bunch of trees or whatever. <laughs> But it's for, just yeah. Yeah, that's a great page. But for me it's the, the, the panel on the next page of the ship about to crash into it. I just yeah. love the idea of them crashing yeah. a ship into this blob of flesh. Yes. It's just such a Doom Patrol's visual to look yeah. at. Yeah. Um so yeah. So we've set up this evil guy who's trying to build an even bigger, more corporate Doom Patrol. Mm-hmm. Uh so that should be something. Um Meta Woman seems to have volunteered for this, so there's no sympathy for her. So, yeah. you know, that's fine. We can have fun with it. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a good time. Um, yeah, this, this has been a very good miniseries. Uh, every issue, I'm just sad that it's yeah. not ongoing, but hopefully at least yeah. more. Uh, what are you rating issue five of Unstoppable Doom Patrol? I'm going to give this a solid eight. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. It's all the uh, mm-hmm. 10. Very, very good. All right. The Vigil, issue four, Ram V and Dev, uh, Paramic. Uh, Paramink, which is a different artist than last time, yeah. uh, notably. But yeah, uh, yeah so uh, the Vigil, uh, the, the only problem I have with the Vigil is it was so, like, because I knew property with all these new characters, it's tough to remember a lot of their names. I don't uh, remember their names, but I remember what they do, right? Of course. I know, I know there's, yeah. there's Fast Lady, there's Electric Guy. That's Dodge, I think. Yeah, there, there's there's Face Changer Man. Uh, there's not the chief, but the chief. The These chief. are how I refer to them all yeah, as I'm reading. There's there's yeah. definitely like some yeah. alternate Doom Patrol vibes to the fact that yes. they've got this really shady guys in charge, and but yep. this should reveal something about him by the end. Yep. yep. Uh, so we get some backstory for Dodge, who was basically trained or put in a boxing ring by her father, mm-hmm. who was disappointed he didn't have a son because then he'd have a real you know fighter. And when the, the box, when the fighter she's fighting next time gives her shit and says she's daddy's little girl, uh, this provokes her to punch back with her powers kicked in, and it seemingly has killed this this opponent in the ring. I like to think she vaporized his head because oh. the way that they're going on about this, All, there's nothing left. Yeah. All we see. Right? Because they never say out loud what happened to the opponent. No. We just see two people mop up this ring of blood. Yep. They're just yep. mopping the ring. That's all they're doing. Um, but it's very much this recruitment thing where uh, our main guy shows up, the doctor shows up mm-hmm. and recruits her um, and says that, you know, she, you can vibrate your molecules, uh, kind of like the Flash, you can get out of here. Mm-hmm. Right? You can move so fast, you can basically be in two places at once um, and no one else will know the difference. Um, mm-hmm. But the main story of the book is that they're all they're going into this location, this uh, this base by this evil group uh, who work for a subsidiary of LexCorp, although now SuperCorp, as it's pointed out later. Yeah, now subsidiary of SuperCorp. Yeah. I do like the shade this guy talks that Lex was this profound businessman that somehow lost to his main rival and now the yeah. company's named after him it's so funny to me he gave all this to superman so we're, you know I, I, i'm petitioning to remove this subsidiary mm. to just being mine so it's not part yeah. of that anymore uh but he this is their lab where they're doing metahuman stuff and and whatnot mm-hmm. but they've been kept, the, the team it turns out have been lured here and they go yeah. in and this screen turns on and there's this photo from 1941 of scientists and it says, who is this man with a circle around it? And the team are all like, wait a minute. 
that's you that's the doctor that's you doc like how are you here and then like the four members of the team come up and it says like you know roughly who each of them are and that they're supposed to be a fifth who's the fifth one um and there's like hey you've not aged in like 80 years like what Mm -hmm. the hell what's going on like who are you and what is all this so that's the main thing that's going on and then this this big meta human like jumps into the scene and starts fighting them uh, that's when we cut to the evil businessman's yep. meeting with, with this like super villain who is going to be your arch nemesis seemingly. Yep. Um, so he's uh, taking control of that company, and our team members are all fighting this big guy who's got like powers and this like power suit on. Um, and Dodge ends up being the one that fights him, and you know the doctor's like, you know what, Dodge like she can handle this, like she can beat anyone. She's lulling mm-hmm. him into a sense of security. And that's when we get the flashback of him recruiting her when she's in the jail cell. Um, and she phases out and they leave mm-hmm. in the backstory. Um, you know, she twitches out. And she's able to do this, like, phase move here and completely just, you know, kicks this guy's ass. Um, mm-hmm. So Separates his arm from what it looks like, too, right? You see the, the, the sketch as she goes through. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, just dominates him. Whatever this dude is, he's almost like overpowered, you know. Yeah. Um, she she but, sliced through his arm by like moving at super yeah. speed. It's it's quite yeah. gnarly. Um, and the the sort of smart one, the young, the, the kid looking one, is like basically figured out what the secret is, and he's kind of like, hey, you should tell them, Doc. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. So, uh, sure enough, um, the big reveal here is is that this this guy that attacked him, this meta human was someone that that he created and then Mm -hmm. it turns out he says i created all of you and obviously when he says that i'm thinking doom patrol i'm thinking niles calder Uh putting them all into accidents and stuff like Mm -hmm. that and it it could mean that technically but the way he phrases this is very specific Mm -hmm. and really interesting where he says um and by made i mean uh none of you existed I, I, I thought you up. It's, it's like they uh-huh. all came from his imagination, which implies that he somehow made his imagination reality, and that's what created all of their lives. That's very interesting if that's the path we're going down here. This is so Ram V, too. Like, I'm upset that we didn't piece a little bit of this together. Not that there was a lot of clues, right? But this plays very much in with his his idea of ideas and creation and um, persistence and legacy that we've gotten in Swamp Thing. Right. Oh sure, yeah. So, and this goes in with here too that none of them, you know, and it and it also hits that kind of Morrison like there's someone whoever this main villain is, right, sitting behind this computer. To me, I read that like it's almost like that's him. That's almost Ram B as the writer, right? Uh, I actually, so almost, th- I, I thought this was just the business guy from earlier. Is this that? I don't know. I thought it was. I could be wrong. Well, maybe. Because we know that the, the company's taken over, this subsidiary yeah. of LexCorp is what yeah. runs this place, so I just assumed this was him. Oh, you're right, because he's wearing the blue suit. Yeah, and when you yeah. zoom in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, anyways, I saw like, the idea of him staring at the computer screen like that was almost kind of like a, a Morrison-esque. Not that he put himself in. Right, but it's almost a meta commentary. Yeah, like don't get me uh, wrong. Yeah. The sentence "none of you existed until I thought you up" could absolutely just mean, "Oh, I created all of you as you currently mm-hmm. are via accidents mm-hmm. and like you know experiments." Mm-hmm. 
but I, given that this is Ram V and the very specific wording, this does sound like, no, 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 you yeah. all came from nothing into existence because he conjured you up. Right. So it does make me think that all these flashbacks we've been seeing are not real. Like, they didn't actually exist in the world. This, this didn't happen right. in their past. This is just the backstory that he's given them, and this is what mm-hmm. they remember. Which gives a whole new context to all these flashbacks we've been getting. Yeah, yeah, with each issue. That's actually quite fascinating. That all these mm-hmm. flashbacks are literally just flashbacks. They're not actual things that happened. They are right. just the memories that are there to establish what the backstory of these characters are. Right. So, very curious to see how they react to this cool. and what comes from it. Yeah, and when we know where he goes and he meditates too, right? That adds a whole new different level too. Because it's like, is he actually mm. going into some like meta plane of existence is this you know just like you said is this just him trying to take credit for their creation or is this actual literal that he plucked them out of the realms of consciousness you know um but yeah not that i was like i was not that i wanted i was i was bored with this i was like okay this is kind of like doom patrol meets uh checkmate this issue added a whole new different layer onto everything you know? It's the best issue since issue because issue one I thought was a perfect mm-hmm. issue. I yeah. think the issues since then have been good, and then this issue is another great issue. Uh, yeah. And and just what it reveals and the way it kind of recontextualizes what might be going on here, mm-hmm. and does present the, the idea of like, okay, well this this young woman that's like joined the team is the liaison. Presumably she's mm-hmm. a real person, and if she's a real person, then right. like you know what's her take on all this? And at which point, like, do they all want to rebel because they're they're created by him, or and if they if they do come from his imagination, like, do they just exist now? Even if he decides to, let's say he gets killed, do they all cease right. to exist, or do they exist now because they've been created? So now they, now they just stay around. I, I, right. I don't know. These well, are... and and we've we've only seen them interact with like Batman, right? In the pages of of uh, what was that in? Was that in Detective? Detective? Yeah. Uh, well. Also, Babs. One of them goes to see Babs. That's right. That's right. In and Lazarus Planet stuff. So, so yeah. So they're at least tangible enough, right? That it wouldn't surprise me if, if like he did bring them into this world from you know whatever imagination, right? That now they are living independent beings. Um, but yeah, very, very again, very Ram V twist in on this, right? Because once he said like, I thought like yeah. Like Calder, he assembled this team. This was the lost member that didn't work out, and now he's being weaponized by the sinister corporation forces. Which um, I suppose that's an interesting detail, actually. Mm-hmm. This 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 meta human that attacks them, mm-hmm. uh, if he also created him, then like mm-hmm. how did this one end up with villains? How did this one end up right. you know working for this this uh, bad guy? That, that's mm-hmm. that's a curious question. That definitely implies that they, they are autonomous and can just go right. off and be themselves, right. whatever that means to them. Oh, I just realized this is like a new generation of metal men, and he's just Doc Magnus. <laughs> I love that. So, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah. So, man, really so good. Like every, <laughs> time, every time, he just, he, a little bit more of a twist. Uh, my I, I finally, I, I think I said on the show, I got the Savage Shores. Finally, because my shop kept ordering it, and then someone would come in to buy it, and they would forget to set it aside for me. Uh, the the guy that works there yelled at me that I haven't read it yet. He's like, all you do is you talk about how much you like BMV. And I was like, listen, a lot of personal stuff has been going on. I don't have a lot of time for non-DC books. 
He's like, all right, fair enough. But when you do read it, let me know because you're going to love it. And now this issue really is, is like kick that into gear for me that I need to read, you know, this creator own stuff and see how it compares. So, but yeah. yeah. Um, now, uh, as far as the art goes, the art is pretty solid here. Mm -hmm. it, it, honestly, if you hadn't told me it was a different artist, I, I don't, unless I went back and directly compared them, I'm not sure I would notice there was an artist change. It does feel very similar and in line to me. But that's no, it, it, but, but that's it, from memory though. I I have not yeah. went back and looked. No, it does the other the other artist, which let me I can't because I'm on the front page. The other artist, it, it's a little bit moodier and a little bit more sure. heavy on the the shadows and stuff. But however, this is a a good compliment artist because um, it fits in with the vibe of what we've known for the vigil. So, but yeah, I like I would have guessed because I opened it up. I was like, this isn't the same artist, but it didn't bother me either. So, yeah. yeah, very, very solid book. Yeah, no, it's exciting. It, it completely mm -hmm. changes the, uh, like, you know, our entire thought process about it. And mm -hmm. uh, next issue should be very interesting when he has to elaborate on this. So, yes. uh, yeah, that is the vigilation. What are you rating it, Matt? I'm going to listen to 8.5. Yeah, I think 8.5 sounds about right for me mm -hmm. as well. Uh, so... There you go. Uh, which takes our final book of the week, which is mm -hmm. Dark Knights of Steel, issue 12. Tom Taylor writing with Yasmin Putri on the art. So, this finally wraps up uh, mm -hmm. this book. Uh, and much like Deceased did back in the day, this ends with the implication there might be a future story to tell mm -hmm. in this world. Um, we'll see if that happens. Well, you know, with all the delays this had, I don't know if it's been as successful as Deceased. Um, yeah. But... Uh, it does have a sort of kind of hopeful ending that hopes for more story as well. So yes. we found out Amanda Waller was working with the White Martians and mm -hmm. she's got a plan uh, to like deal with the fire that the good guys have got around the, the, the palace. Turns out the plan is to use Captain Cold to <laughs> take away the fire. And it's cold wand instead of a cold gun. That's yes. pretty cool. Makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. uh, but it turns out the good guys have got a plan. They've, they've formed a plan where they basically lure all the white Martians to a volcano and then Black Lightning and some of the others use their powers to evoke an eruption and mm -hmm. they let the lava do the talking. <laughs> well, not only that, but our heroes, who are, are one half Kryptonian, one full Kryptonian and a goddess, get get bathed in lava, which creates an art, uh, a, a makeshift armor so that the white Martians can't do much. Yes. Um, Yes, the I, the, I love. The, yes, the Trinity the, become coated yes. in fire, effectively. Right. And so, what I love about this is that it's an idea that apparently came from Bobo, right, Detective Chimp, and and Constantine. But as they're talking about it, Bobo looks at Constantine. And goes, I, I think it's crazy enough to work. And he goes, like, Well, I hope so because if it doesn't, um, I'll just say that I got it from the monkey. And I just thought that that's the typical Tom Taylor sense of humor that I've come to expect in these books. Because um, for the rest, uh, up until it's revealed, I'm like, well, what, what's their plan? Like, what's so crazy that only, you know, an ape can think of? And it turns out coating your heroes in lava uh, to fight white Martians is the one part of the story, uh, the one part that is crazy enough. Um, my, my main problem with this, I, I think this is a, a, a really good issue. I just, the delay killed me. I forgot where we were in the story. Oh, yeah. I, think the I forgot about Waller 
uh, betraying them and being like on quote unquote humanity uh, side. I mean, I, I, that's, um, that one's not too bad because it's really easy yeah. to get once you do like one look at yeah, the yeah, first yeah. page and you get it. But the delays in general have mm-hmm. really hurt the pacing of this book because yeah. like it got to a point where I just forgot it was still going because it had been like three months since yeah. the last issue. Um, uh-huh. I don't know, that was like between seven and eight or something like that, but it like that should have been finished like six months ago yeah. <laughs> or, or probably even more than that to be honest yeah and it, it really has hurt it. it it has meant that the art's been a lot more consistent which is yeah. which is good don't get me wrong mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but it has made the single issue reading a little bit tough at times yeah uh so of course uh the reason why it seems like there's more planned is because alfred who's also martian manhunter in this mm-hmm. world uh, basically figures out that Waller is behind a lot of shady stuff and knows what she's done. Mm-hmm. And Waller um, basically has fire defenses for Martians because she's not an idiot, mainly because she deals mm-hmm. with white Martians. So she actually right. kills Alfred, uh, and Batman flies for the first time with his Kryptonian powers as he, yep. like, he like hears the yell and flies mm-hmm. off to get... Uh, so we actually see Alfred burn alive, and he, he, he turns to dust like a vampire from the hit television show, Buff of the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Alfred in this universe can't even catch a break. He's got to die here, too. So... Uh, so that, that said, so, so it what, was a really. Uh, I just want to say ahead. once again, Taylor is making us try to like heart with the yeah. with Alfred's death. Like we're, we're, he's yeah. using that again. Because <laughs> what what I wanted to say about that was, uh, as as they get ready to go out to battle, right? He says that he, I can't go with you, Master Bruce, right? And he goes, "Would would you be bothered if I took the form of Alfred?" And Bruce is kind of like, "Well." That was already your form, and he goes, "Oh, it's the one that I'm most comfortable in now." And it's this really nice moment of like, you know, this is who I've been for years, and you know, I, and I'm not thinking that Taylor's going to take him away from us again, right? I'm thinking like, oh, he'll he'll be because he goes, "I can't be with you because of whatever the plan is," and then that's when it, you know, as they're going to rain fire down upon the Martians, it makes sense. But yeah, Waller has other uh, ideas and takes Alfred from us, and it's just this. Bruce says it in his in his head. He can hear the scream. Yeah, uh, and, and then Waller right after when when Bruce shows yeah. up says, "Oh, Deadshot was working with the bad guys," and she yep. kill, she kills Deadshot with a sword and says, "Yeah, Deadshot betrayed us. She mm-hmm. did this. He did this." So, so now Waller's like, you know, lying and kept her mm-hmm. position with the court, mm-hmm. and so th- that's just one of these things that makes you feel like, oh, there's a sequel plan to this yeah. because there's no way you don't have her get her comeuppance if you're mm-hmm. not planning to do more, st- unless you're planning to do more story right. with her. So right. that feels like a sequel setup to me, um, as does, of course, what they do at the end here, where they unite the kingdoms of the Amazons, the the Lightnings, and mm-hmm. the you know, the Elves, the Elves, and they call it the League, and that's the yep. the, the end of the book is that they've effectively formed the Royal Justice League. <laughs> yep. Uh, um, so also, like we we get some uh, Lois and Clark stuff, where you know she goes over and is like, aren't you know, uh, she kind of playfully is like, you know, aren't you ever going to tell people how you got out of of the mascara, right? So it also seeds a relationship for Lois and Clark, you know, yeah. going forward. And the same with with Bruce and and Clark, right? Where he's like, well, you know, this should be your throne, right? Like you're the one that's half. He goes, ah, oh, the throne throne's not for me. Yeah, now that, now that I'm thinking about it, it, it does seem to always do well in the top ten. So maybe th- mm-hmm. maybe maybe this has sold well enough that it'll yeah. get a sequel. Yeah, um, there's there's a lot of fun stuff in here to lead that even if we never get a sequel, right? I I can see Taylor revisiting it someday, 
down the line in like a one shot or something you know um, honestly i'm expecting a sequel announcement in less than six months that, that, that is <laughs> that is what i expect and uh, he, he's gotta get through beast world first and then, and then we'll hear about dark knights yeah, I, I mean, I've yeah. enjoyed the series. I think this is a solid finale. I think it's had a lot of what Deceased had, which is the the twists and reveals mm-hmm. that kind of make sense in a weird sort of, like, you know, mishmash way. Yeah. Um, but I do think it does feel like a lot like it is just a second Deceased in a lot of ways yeah. by just, you know, remixing what characters <laughs> are with who and how they sort of yeah. come to be together and things like that. So mm-hmm. it's very, it is still very en- enjoyable, but... I, I do think that it is kind of the same trick as Deceased, so I would say mm-hmm. that it is, you know, it's, it's you know, the arts better, by and large, yeah. but I would say that it is the lesser Deceased. Still good, but mm-hmm. not as mush-read, I would say, uh, yeah. as where, where I'd land, I think. Agreed. I'd agree on that, too. Because, um, uh, but, but yeah, no, Pewtree's art, though, here, all the fantasy-type stuff, you know, um, you know, the, the, the Trinity... Uh, on fire such a cool visual yeah. that, that said oh. given everything i did just say there I, I i will acknowledge though that it probably reads quite well in one continuous mm-hmm. read if you read this as just a 12 issue book um in a trade or whatever i yeah. think it probably reads quite well and at a nice pace um i think the the delays between issues really did hurt this uh mm-hmm. ac- across the last couple of years because it, it feels like it started two years ago that's how long yeah. it feels like it's been going <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm sure, too, if you're reading it at the right pace, right? When when you start to get the vibes that the, you know, that Kara's not, or not it's not Kara, whatever the, this, you know, Clark's sister or Cal's sister. Zala, is, I think. Zala, oh, there we go. That, that Zala's not Zala. Like, if something's not adding up and that Clark's not Clark, right? I'm sure those turns happen, you know, and you start to be able to piece together the Martian aspect a little bit better because you don't have those big gaps in reading. Um but yeah, it's still yeah. very enjoyable. Uh, I honest, still like a lot of the, Matt, the characterization. I was not far off. The first issue huh? came out in November 2021. Shh. It's almost two years. Almost. Almost. Just wow. two more months and it have been exactly two years. So that's a lot of delays. Because that, that this, this should have been done in 12 months. And okay, fair enough. You wanted the delay in the middle to mm-hmm. give the artist. Because they had that one shot yeah. to give mm-hmm. uh, Putra some time. But... Even with that, like it should have been not much more than a year, so it it, it took a long time to get through this. Yes. So, but uh, I suspect there'll be a sequel uh, before too long, because it feels like it was a lot of stuff at the end to set one up. Uh, between the other Clark and Lois tees, between Waller still being this villain sort of in the inside, out mm-hmm. for herself, and then the formation of the League, it feels like it's just ripe for more. And they even reference like, other parts of the world here as well. Yeah. Uh, I don't have yeah. a, I don't have it open anymore, but they talk about the frozen land somewhere. Yeah. They talk about I think uh, it sounds like they're talking about Atlantis at one point. Uh-huh. Uh, yep, sea Kingdom. So yeah. it feels like there's there's some seeds there for for future yeah. stories for sure. If there's ever a need for a Momoa esque Aquaman showing up. It's in a book like this. I'm just gonna put that out there. Uh, there's never a need for a Momoa Aquaman. I, I'm just saying I, I kind of like Aquabro a little bit, just enough enough to have him in a comic. No, I, uh, I, I need to never be reminded of anything in those movies ever again. Thank you very much. Oh, man. Screw Zack Snyder and screw stupid Star Wars knockoff that's coming out in two months. Oh, God. <laughs> Which is now a two-part movie, and I hate that I have to review both parts. Anyway. <laughs> uh, I mean, you don't have to. Oh, uh, yes, but I have dignity. 
I have to. I have to do it. If you had dignity, you would be watching it, sir. I, I have uh, integrity. I have, I have integrity. I have a duty to the people oh. to review such shit. Yeah, anyway, you, you, you let me down with the three eyes there, bud. You could have had intelligence and intensity, but you didn't. I'm not going to reference a 20-year-old Kurt Angle promo. Why not? Kurt Angle's great. Uh, anyway, uh, what are you rating Darn Ace of Steel? Uh, I'm going to give this uh, an 8. Yeah, I think an 8's fair. Like, I, I, honestly, like, it's a very pleasant miniseries. It absolutely yeah. is. It, it just kind of feels dist- uh, stilted, and it mm-hmm. feels like maybe it, maybe it came too soon, because I think Deceased, you know, because Deceased, the final like part of Deceased was still happening whilst yeah. this was. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if the f- last part of the cease didn't start until after this started, given that that was eight issues. Yeah, yeah. I think we talked about that when we were wrapping up uh, Deceased. I-, I think maybe some time between Deceased and this would have probably been good, because that-, that would have felt like a spiritual successor, uh-huh. instead of like being kind of at the same time and yeah, you know, kind of weird because of that. Uh, but anywho, uh, there you go. So That'll take us on to the part of the show. We pick our favorite stuff of the week, favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover, and uh, favorite art and top five books. So, Matt, what was your panel slash moment of the week? Oh man, um, there's there's a couple. Um, I really like some of the stuff in Detective. Those those Penta priests are very very creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like in Doom Patrol the the big lady coming out. Uh, World's Finest had that Superman stuff. Um, but you know, I'll go with, with the easy one from Dark Knights of Steel, you know, the Trinity on fire as their armor, such a cool visual. That one really stuck hmm. with me. So that's mine. Yeah. There's good stuff to pick from a few books here. Penguin's got some, uh, Doom Patrol, you say, uh, I, I am going to go with uh, Nate Terror's detective comics, believe it or yeah. not. Um, I'm going to go with the explosion sending the bat monster back. Yeah. I just think that page is gorgeous. It's just the art yeah. is so goddamn good that I have to give it the shout out. Um, yeah. All right, cover of the week. So what I've been looking at as we've been trying to talk. Um, Penguin has a fun one where it looks like Harley's giving him a tattoo, right? But um, I don't know. That one's a little bit too zany. Um, is there any good night terror ones? Uh, I have mine if you want me to go. Yeah, you go, because I'm still just so, looking. So mine's a... Uh, uh, i got to look up the artist now. But mine's one of the variants for Doom Patrol. Oh, it's Janin. I just remembered. Uh, Janin has a, has a Doom Patrol variant that's got Robot Man and uh, Negative Man in the car. Uh, they just look super cool. It's very clean, very stylish. Uh, looks like it could be the cover to to the trader, whatever. But yeah, that mm. one's mine. Uh, there's a Marquez cover for Penguin, which is pretty That's solid. a good one, too. Um... Yeah, I think that Doom Patrol cover you brought up is very good. Um, yeah, I don't. Admittedly, I'm only looking at this week's books, and technically last yeah. week's books kind of also count, but I, <laughs> that's a lot of checking. So I think I'll just go with the regular um, Night Terror's Detective Comics cover, mainly just because it's Federici art, and I don't yeah. get to pick that that often. So it's good. It's got that. I think that's Babs on the side, right? Yeah, I think so. It's Babs. Profile. Then, yeah. Yeah, it looks, looks pretty nice. That's good stuff. Um, all right. Uh, best art of the week. All right. So, shouts to Federici. Federici is always great. But mm-hmm. I was taken aback by the Penguins' art and just how solid okay. it was okay. throughout. 
So that one's going to be mine. Uh, but definitely shouts to Federici and Kutri and even Burnham for Doom Patrol. So, yeah. Yeah, those are all solid choices. Burnham was great. Uh, Pucci was great. Moore on World's Finest Moore, was great. Yeah. Um, I am going Federici, which is probably not surprising given the two choices I already yep. made because it's all just based on Federici art. Yep, uh, yep. But that's what I'm picking. Uh, top five books of, I say the week, but really it's two of, weeks. of the show because we yeah. have two weeks worth. But on you go. Yeah. All right, so number one is going to be uh, Night Terror's Detective Comics. Two will be Penguin. Um, three would be Dark Knights of Steel, four would be Vigil, and five would be Doom Patrol. Uh, number one for me is Penguin. Number two for me is Detective Comics, uh, Night Terrors. Uh, number three is Doom Patrol. Number four is Vigil. And number five is World's Finest. I think mm-hmm. that sounds about right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, Dark Knights is still just missing the cut, but hey, they did a lot of books, mm-hmm. so... Uh, yeah. But there you go, that's the show. Uh, apologies for, for for the patrons who are waiting up for this. This is a little yes. bit later than usual, so apologies thank for you. that. Thank you, thank you. Many apologies, but thank you. Yes. Uh, so apologies for skipping a week last week, uh, but we're back, mm-hmm. uh, we're in top form, and we'll be back next week. In fact, this is where I tell you what's coming next week uh, from DC Comics. So, coming out next week, it is a week five, so it's a bit of a weird week, but we do have mm. uh, Superboy, The Man of Tomorrow, issue five. We've got The Riddler, year one, issue six. We have Night Terrors, Night's End, issue one. Thank we you. have The Batman, Catwoman, Gotham War, Battle Lines, issue one. Do you know what? I hate that I'm going to read That's that. That's a mouthful. Because it's a week five, I know I'm going to read that, and I'm annoyed about yeah. it. <laughs> it's bad because most of the stuff I've read so far, read out... I'm, I'm, we're not doing we're not doing Superboy or Riddler Year One so uh, we have to uh, we get Action Comics Presents Doomsday Special Issue 1 I suppose we'll the, look at that the, yeah that's the Dan Waters one yeah so uh, so if anything that's the one I'm most looking to say, uh, look forward to now uh, yeah. then we got Sandman Universe Night Country The Glass House Issue 4 we got Norts Illustrated Swimsuit Edition <laughs> Issue 1 and Catwoman Uncovered Issue 1 so it's a quiet, weird week five, but there's three books there that we'll be covering mm-hmm. probably, which is Night's End, the yeah. Batman Catwoman book, unfortunately, and the Action Comics special. So weird week. Uh, I'll probably end up doing a Patreon book as well, I imagine. I'll, uh, and I'm going to catch up on that, that uh, Raven book from last week. Oh, so sure, sure, sure. I'll, th- I'll throw that in next week too as a bonus for missing oh, yeah, that one. All, yeah, so, by all means. Yeah. Uh, all right, so that's what's coming. Uh, that is the mm-hmm. show. Uh, let us know what you thought of the books from this week and last week. Um, and the comments are on Twitter at DC Comics Podcast. And of course, if you want to support the show and keep it coming, you can help out by going to patreon.com slash TV and supporting us over there. Uh, but that is the show. I am very warm and it's been a long recording and it's a late recording as well. So mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics. And remember to never get lost in the Speed Force.